Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, Mm-hmm. You know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle Recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my... <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no rollback waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies. 
comfort from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the saga of Sally's suitcase. Sally's on Clayton's season. She was like engaged beforehand. She showed up. She never even got out of a limo. So she wanted a second shot at love, and we wanted to grant that to her. But we were a little apprehensive. I mean, she didn't even get out of the limo the first time. So we decided to send a producer to make sure that she got on her flight. A paradise Sherpa, if you will. She gets to Sally's house. She texts her. I've got a huge surprise for you outside. Come outside. Come outside right now. Sally texts back. I can't. I have explosive diarrhea. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And welcome back to Game of Roses, Pace Case. Thank you, Clues. My pleasure. How was the pod without me? I won't lie. It was a little harder to do. It was definitely not as (laughs) funny or fun. That's all I wanted to hear. (laughs) I'm like Genevieve Parisi when Justin Glaze is on a date. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, I, uh, you know, as you might understand about me, I like to laugh at our beloved game. I like to find the humorous moments and talk about them and make myself laugh or make you laugh. Uh, But I found that making myself laugh was very difficult. It was strange to read back through my notes and like chuckle at my own (laughs) notes. I found that bizarre. That's so sweet. Yeah, I much prefer laughing to the things you're saying. So I'm glad to have you back. But I'm also glad that you got to have a great vacation and visit Amsterdam, the dumping bench, the site of Nate Mitchell being reduced to tears by Gabby Windy. You know, it's not every Bachelor podcast host who will fly to Amsterdam (laughs) to provide uh, the pit with this type of content. It was also pouring rain, which it unfortunately was not during the actual dumping. But I tried to recreate the scene Mm. as best as possible. Yeah, it was fantastic. I think it was the exact bench. I'm 99% sure it was the right bench. There are some non-believers. Really? It looked similar to me, similar enough. You know, I'm doing my best here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not supposed to be a work vacation, but I can't help it. The pit is all around us. You'll have to take another trip back at this time next year to really make sure it was the right bench. I also took a picture of every art piece that I saw that was a windmill, too. Oh, wow. Like, that back, that actually probably should be my scream this week. Yeah, that's really compulsive. That's real deep pit shit right there. Uh, just fucking, I know. I was like, I'll make a collage. (laughs) Yep. Fair enough. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We have a big, big show for you tonight. Of course, we're recapping two full episodes of Bachelor in Paradise. Three. Kind of three because Pace Case wasn't here for the first one. But before we get to that, we do have to mention gameofroses.co now has a wide variety of hats, shirts, totes, mugs, all kinds of accoutrement for the human body and mind, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what a salesman. <laughs> Get your accoutrement for the human body. 
<laughs> I am of this earth. Here is <laughs> there's okay. there's shirts or sweatshirts, whatever yeah. you put on the body. Whatever you put on the body, the corpus. I'm actually wearing my my white and pink logo shirt right now. Yeah, I like our logo stuff. I have my logo shirt mm-hmm. just in the other room. But Please go there if you feel the need, if you want to get a present for somebody who might be in the pit, somebody who drags you into the pit. Maybe it's a a fitting thank you to that person for bringing you down here with us in the guts of this thing, chipping away, chiseling away ever deeper day by day until we reach new depths. And what has happened this week? I can't believe I've been power drilling through the fucking core of the earth to come out the other side. I feel like I don't know really what the two episodes that have happened Monday and Tuesday of this week. I don't know what it means Mm -hmm. for the future of the game. Some lines have been crossed. I don't know what, the nation, the fourth audience, I don't know what our memory is going to be like of these things, but what happened with the suitcase is unprecedented. It's so bad I didn't even know exactly what you were talking about. I was like, do you mean the suitcase or do you mean the play? I mean the suitcase itself being created by producers. Mm -hmm. We will get to that. This is something that has never been done before in the history of the game. Also, conscripting four players into an acted scene has now happened, and they are asking us as viewers to believe that all of it is 100% real. We will get to that. We get way ahead of ourselves, but that that event was so important that I'm very curious, again, to see how all of this will be remembered in the future. Yeah, and that's why it is the perfect time to thank your friend with a Sauce Wars t-shirt to commemorate it. Peacock in your accoutrement. Yeah. Get some accoutrement to show your thanks for drilling to the bottom of the pit with us. But tonight we are excited to present this double recap. We're going to go through everything from the second and third episode of Bachelor in Paradise Season 8, starting right now. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So, okay. Are you, yeah, that's what I was gonna. Okay, ask. Before- <laughs> Are you gonna just fucking go into episode one? Look, I told Clues I wanted to talk about this. I please full disclosure have not listened to your solo pod, so I don't Great. actually know how you feel about any of this. But I'm excited to find out. Okay. And okay, I just have to point out. <laughs> yes. A few things. Please. We get. The intro package of Serene Russell in which she throws off her books and her teacher clothes and reveals that she is going to be in a bikini, go to sand. This is a direct copying of the Love Island style intros, except way worse production value. Who had it first, though? And I couldn't believe we were just getting that Love Island. Before Bachelor in Paradise, when was the first Love Island? No, Bachelor in Paradise existed before Love Island, but Love Island has kind of this signature intro sequence Mm -hmm. in which it's like fully stylized and kind of acted. And it's basically each person at their job will like take off that outfit. Like if they're like a chimney sweep, they'll take off their... Got it. ...overalls and throw their whatever, and they'll show their swimsuit. And it's like everyone's leaving to go find love. And they're like, we get to go on this great experience, which is 
away from our daily lives. And they were doing a lot of that in this. And I just was like, in a season where they're going to steal Kaza Amor. Look, we got, I mean, we got to, we got to shoot straight here. We got problems with these, this current producer tier. We got problems. Wait, do you have a problem with the producers, Clues? I don't. We do. The nation does. The nation. <laughs> we, uh, we do. Oh, the nation. You speak for the nation. At this point, yeah. The, I'm speaking for the nation. We got a problem, nation. Okay. <laughs> These producers, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. And this is exactly what you're talking about. They're just yanking shit out of Love Island and throwing it in now. They're trying to just like not come up with their own original ideas, not make this new in any way. Oh, just take some Love Island shit, crowbar it in. Well, hey, Love Island never started with a IBS PTC showing a <laughs> player on the toilet. That one, I screamed. I screamed when I saw that. Yeah. I was like, is this her decision to make shitting her brand? Or is it the producers? Was this a collab? I think she obviously has a good sense of humor about it or none of this would be happening. Yeah. Like, I think this is definitely something that was a conversation that had to be had more than just like, oh, hey, uh, so we're thinking for your intro. It's going to be you taking a shit. All right. See you in 10 minutes. <laughs> like, I, you know, they... They definitely had to have a conversation <laughs> about that. And like she had to be comfortable uh-huh. enough with all of it yeah. to, to actually do it. So she probably, I think, is a funny person, has a good sense of humor, all that shit. Nonetheless, the idea of a producer who's making this TV show that I'm supposed to be watching and believing is about helping these people find love is opening that show with this. This woman on a toilet. It's a strong choice. And I know Paradise is like a little zanier and it's supposed to be more comical and all this kind of shit, but they the line seems to have like disappeared about how far into the insane world you can go and still have any believable relationships happening. Well, we got to uh, my first award. My bystander was uh, this sound person who was holding up the mic for... Genevieve's intro and is covered in bikinis. That was my bystander as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, love that. Love that shot. Okay, I'll just give you my other awards because I know today is going to get crazy. Jill got my face play. I don't remember who I gave my face play to. She is doing such an amazing sort of colorful narrator, loose cannon type uh, play strategy, and I love it. And leaning into the cat thing, which is obviously Dark Lord Palmer thinks it's the core audience. So <laughs> yeah, why not lean into it? You know what her cat's name was too? Sauce. Yeah. Love that. My face play was a uh, Lace Morris face play. I was so, I mean, those were the two players I was most excited about this season were Lace Morris and Victoria Fuller. So far, neither has disappointed me. Yeah. They're both pretty high level. I agree. Who was your uh, error? My error was Romeo handling the Jill-Kira conflict. Mm. What was yours? I had Logan calling Lace loose. That was my runner-up. Okay. I was like, this is <laughs> this is very bad. What was your play of the game? Lace pretending that it was her birthday. <laughs> Mine was Kira stealing Jill's drink. Ooh, I love that. Kira came to fucking play this season I am like, she, she is all over everything. Okay, she did 
spoilers. She did go home at the last episode, but she maximized her time there. Obviously, she was doing anything the third audience wanted, but yeah. I was excited to see kind of like wild card play from her. So much voluntary nudity plays. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. She really was like, you know, leaving it all on the field, as they say. She was doing the most of anybody there. I really felt, and I said this in my recap, like she was doing a pro wrestling character. Like she had totally made up this persona and is just like, this is who I am on Bachelor in Paradise now. Yeah. Like prepared lines, Mm -hmm. like everything taught. I mean, we'll get to it. Um, My creature was a jumping dolphin. And my wowie was Dark Lord Palmer saying, who will be the next Joe or Serena? (laughs) Mm. Oh, no. My creature was the first crab. The first crab Mm. that we saw in the first episode. I was like, first crab of the season. Inaugural crab. Yeah. First crab sand. First sand. (laughs) The crabs now get first sand. Oh, no. Yeah. There's there's one crab that gets first sand. (laughs) Okay. And now this was the fourth sand crab. Now, the fourth sand crab... Minutia. Definitely Minutia alarm calling it on myself. Michael Alio for TRR King was my mm. MVP. Mine was Kira. I was. Yours was Kira? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, she deserved it. She deserved it. But Michael Alio, I was just very impressed with his play. He is, uh, he, he is grocery storing. Michael Alio is grocery storing, and I love to see it like a grocery store zaddy branding. And I'm just I'm 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 happy for him. And first male sand. Listen, if he plays this right, you're gonna be listening to Zaddy with Michael Alio, an official oh Bachelor Nation podcast. Zaddy's rules or some shit like that. Absolutely. Ask a Zaddy. You know, Zaddy is as Zaddy does. Some shit. He was also just coming up with such good one-liners too. Like, oh, they're youthful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's he's putting an identity on himself more than just dad or single dad, you know, more than package deal. Mm-hmm. If he plays this right, he's got a podcast waiting on him. I think he will. At any rate. Well, we'll see. Um, So that is all you want to discuss from episode one? I mean... Obviously. <laughs> Look, I can't pick my babies. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is so stressful. I'm like, there were so many, so many good things. Oh, Sierra's intro, I loved when she cringles DLP the shots and then she spills and she's like, I'm a messy bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah. Iconic behavior. I mean, talk about iconic behavior. You want to talk about Olio? You want to talk about iconic behavior? She walks in and just takes him. Done. That's over now. He Olio yeah. is, I would argue, as we're saying, he's grocery storing. He is the hottest property on Paradise. He is the person, mm-hmm. like the top of the the food chain in Paradise. And uh, yeah. she came in, immediately took him off the market. Unreal how fast she did it and how, at mm-hmm. least after what we saw tonight, seemingly it's going to last. 
I don't see that going the other way, especially if he's getting a grocery store, especially if they're making him out to be the good guy. That means he's got to just oh, like, for sure. they're going to wind up being engaged. They're going to leave the show together. Da, 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 da. He's getting all of the ITMs of like, this is what the audience would be thinking. So Fortier are always like defending his, his friendships as well. And also doing the humor of I'm too old for this, which is a grocery store ism. Yes. GSJ's whole thing was like, I don't know if I really fit in with these kids. Yeah. Remember he was going to leave Paradise on like day two of last season? Remember all those shots of him walking around? And then he said on the podcast that it was just that he had diarrhea or something. And he was trying to walk off the cramps. (laughs) I mean, that's a grocery store edit. They won't show your diarrhea. Unlike some other people we're going to (laughs) see. Exactly. Multiple people this season have been shown either on the toilet and then they later talk about their diarrhea or as Sally Carson had it, explosive diarrhea, and she sent it to them in a text, supposedly. I mean, they made Mad Tad look like he had shit himself at night on a daybed, so... Oh, God, those were the days. God damn it. (laughs) They will tell the real story of your poop or not. It really depends on who you wind up being, whether your poop is accurately... (laughs) Pooping in paradise, though, is a thing. There there are multiple references to it. They're going to have Ashley Akinetti farting in the boom-boom room we saw in the the teaser to come. There is the Taj Juan. Taj can't pee, Taj can't poop. There's a lot that goes on with that in in paradise, seemingly. Mm -hmm. So nonetheless, are we ready to begin the recap now? Look, I'm proud of Shanae for getting first kiss. Okay, I am. I have a problem with the fact that they didn't give Lace. Like, to me, Lace is one of the iconic villains that we've ever had. And I feel like, I mean, that's part of, I guess, a producing choice. But it's like, why didn't they give her an ally? Like someone, another older alum or, or another older alum who she could have a romantic interest with too. I want to watch Lace find love. I don't want to see them shit on her because she's old. This is exactly what I'm talking about with the problem we have, Nation. These producers don't fucking get it. You don't bring in a veteran player to have them leave crushed or to have nothing happen. And, And these producers engineer these stories. They have your role selected for you before you come to the show. I think Lace Morris, they were hoping, was going to be like a, a rambunctious villain. You know, the the Lace Morris of old. But she's not that person anymore. She wants to find love. We want to see that happen for her. Prove that this process does work. That you can come back to it after however many seasons she's been gone. And it can work. You have to fulfill the fucking bargain with the audience. And you're not doing it at all right now. In any capacity. No, it's it sucks to see that person come in and just be like shit on and... Yes. I'm all for alum showing up to the beach, but six years, you're done here. She's That's what they don't understand about villains, especially from a prior era. They are revered. They are beloved. We want to see good things happen for them. They see villains, the current producers, as like, these are the people who are, we're going to wreck their fucking lives. Disposable and fuck you. And it's like, no, that's what makes your fucking show. Yes, every once in a while, you're going to have a golden boy. You're going to have the perfect season, but you've had one out of 26 at this point. You know, you don't get them very often. And what subsists through all of those early seasons that made us really love them was like a respect for the villain. Like we know they're not going to wind up in the end. We know they have to get kicked off. We know the mechanisms that need to weed them out of the process to make the process pure again. I get it. 
But fuck, we loved them. And now we don't. Now we're the villains are like bad people. There are these moral judgments cast on them instead of like Tira Lacazi. Nobody's judging her as a bad person. She's like hilarious saying all this weird shit and doing fake falls down the stairs and stuff. And we loved it. And that's just gone now. Yeah. The moral judgment is it really feels like it is the problem because, you know, people do the same things in Survivor, like, for instance, going through the bags. And I don't know, maybe people do think that that is. Yeah morally wrong but i feel like bachelor nation gets way more upset about things like that than survivor it's because they're promoting the show to us as real this is not a game survivor says this is a game and here's the ways you can play it maybe you got to be a little devious and go through somebody's bag or whatever fine bachelor says don't do that bachelor says you have to be morally upright at all times and that this is only a process to help you find your soulmate nothing else (laughs) They lie about that. And so it makes then if you do something in the course of the show that seems morally objectionable, that has to be as real as the love is or the love's not real. And that trick that they try to play on us is like falling apart when you have people walking in with fake suitcases full of fucking vibrators, which we'll get to. We haven't even started the recap. Okay. (laughs) What else do we got? (laughs) Okay. Well, I just like... The play level was very good for the Kiss lead-in lines. I just want to, you know, shout out to uh, Andrew S. for his his Kiss lead-in line. This is something I've been waiting to do all night. Shout out to who else had a good one. Oh, there was at one point where Justin said to Genevieve, I believe, don't act and speak louder than words. Like, don't they? And then he kisses her. I was like, oh, great. Love Shanae's. STCO for Lace. Do you think that was her or producers? Obviously, I love Lace pretending it's her birthday. Uh, so good. I was 50-50 until the suitcase thing. And now I'm like, it was producers. After the suitcase. She was like, the producers got her to be the one to discover the suitcase and get the gang to come yeah. rifle through it. Look, I never even thought it might be producers. No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You could, I've ruined Lace's birthday now for you. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I love Alio's walls, mm-hmm. Sierra, all eggs, one bat. That was my runner up for play of the game yeah. was Sierra's all eggs, one basket for Michael Alio. I thought that was fantastic. Like, do it. Yes. He's the first male stand. Just do it right off the bat. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And she seems to be playing it superbly. I mean, I mean, there's like nothing that you can see, at least what they're showing in the document. There's not even anything approaching an error. She's not ever even in territory. You're like, oh, fuck, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's it's perfect what she's doing with all of you. I have a slight conspiracy town that the Kira Romeo Jill thing is all made up. Mm-hmm. But I won't talk about it because this is the first episode and very excited to see Victoria Fuller come back. And episode two (laughs) a pretty good rundown but yeah episode one was obviously important set up all these things mainly the love triangle between jill romeo and kira and it gave us the idea that kira at the very least is attitude era style pro wrestling villain she's gone into a full character and i that was the first inkling that i was like oh this season is way different we've never seen anything quite like this in my opinion yeah someone branding themselves as like I want to go in the boom, boom room. That is my main goal. And just being so consistent about it, making, like, <laughs> stealing the drink, doing the, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get to it. 
but she's probably my runner-up for MVP as well. Yeah. And then we get into episode two. We are seeing in the promo the Sally Vibrator drama, the full Kira villain edit, Sierra slash Olio, Romeo Love Triangle, and Dark Tears. And we get the first intro packages. Olio at the grill, Zaddy style. Genevieve drinking. <laughs> That's what his podcast should be called, Zaddy Style. And it's about all of his like home furnishings and shit and what he uses on his grill. It's like, oh, this is how to live the life of a Zaddy. Oh my God. He just becomes like the male Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray did it first, where she like posed sexy with like the turkey. <laughs> that is exact. That's what his cover art should be. <laughs> totally. I agree. <laughs> Genevieve drinking, Brandon pulling a sparkler out of the sand. I'm like, could you be giving us any more indication? Like, these are the only people whose love stories you want to focus on. Teddy with a bear, Andrew S. dancing, Serena's a teacher, Shanae doing the the burn meme I thought was excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my favorite by far. Yes. Uh, Johnny surfing, Haley in the shower, Justin painting, doing face memes. <laughs> Love that he got both at both tenants of his brand in there. I know. Uh, Brittany is a sandcastle. I don't quite get that one. I don't know. What does that mean? I guess they couldn't refer to the only thing she was known for in her season. Yeah, what would that be? (laughs) (laughs) It's just the clip of Anna Redman as her intro. She was entertaining men for money. (laughs) Entertaining. Entertaining men for money. (laughs) Oh, fuck. (sighs) Uh, Hunter gets toilet paper thrown at her. I know. So her her IBS thing is her yeah. whole thing. Logan has two drinks. He's deciding between Jill's a cat. Kira <laughs> listens to her heart and her stethoscope. I have such a soft space in my heart for Kira as a player. I'm just like, every time she's on screen, I'm just like, what is what is going to happen? I'm so excited. She better be back in next season of Paradise. Right? Yeah. Yes. I think she will. Producers, if you're listening, uh, sorry for what I was saying <laughs> earlier about you not knowing how to produce the show. And please, please just get Kira in the next season. And I'll forgive the rest. If you could just get Kira back. Uh, Casey has sunglasses. Sierra has binoculars. Romeo is reading. Lace is falling with a drink. And we see a human pyramid. DLP throwing the football. And Wells catches it, but it's a coconut. And he pours it in the drink. Pretty good. Got me pumped up. Look, I'm pumped about this season. I feel like they like cut down the number of the cast, maybe. So they're just like... They did by a couple. It was... This season had 21 initial entries. Last season had 24. And this season, Lace Morris was the surprise... Or uh, Victoria Fuller was the surprise ending mm-hmm. player. Last season, it was Demi. Oh, I thought it was Kufren. Okay, so who was in the Kufrin spot? Kufrin didn't show up for a minute. What spot was Becca Kufrin in? She came in 29th, 28th, sorry. Oh, wow. One, two, three, four. She was the fifth person in the second round. So she was the surprise entry before or right after the uh, next row ceremony. No, sorry, before the next row ceremony. So it'll be probably one more person after Rodney. It'll probably be some other guy comes in that'll be that position next episode who do you think that'll be god i have no idea no i'm just i'm curious about those the bombshell slots that they do 
By the way, also, it looks like they might be doing Casa Amor, but just locking the women up and all the guys get to meet new people. And if they do that, I'm going to be pissed. No, I bet they'll bring in dudes for the ladies, too. There was one season of Love Island where they did that. I bet it'll be like two women and two men for the groups. Oh, you don't think they'll do the full? We'll see. Um, So after these introduction packages, we get portion one. Crabs are infesting the bedrooms. This is something they hit every season. Genevieve ITMs that she will have a meltdown if she is pinched by a crab. Bad move. You tell them the producers here exactly what you don't want to happen. They're going to make that happen. Uh, I can guarantee you we're going to get... You. Yeah, they're going to get something where like Genevieve will be asleep and a producer will come in with just like a tub of crabs and fucking pour them on her. That's going to happen. Haley then gets a colorful narrator telling us about who all the couples are. We got Brandon, Serene, Andrew, and Teddy, Hunter, and Johnny, Justin, and Genevieve, Shanae, and Logan. Lace is all alone. And the guys have the roses. There are two more guys, sorry, two more women than guys. And Haley says, there are too many girls here already. Close the gates. We're at capacity. But we have literally already seen Victoria Fuller arrive at the end of the first episode. So this is meaningless. Mm -hmm. I guess we're rewinding time a little bit. Genevieve and Justin <laughs> seem to be good. Uh, she ITMs being at an 11 on a scale of 10. She doesn't think he jeopardized their connection. So we know, of course, he will be jeopardizing her connection. Then we see Victoria Fuller shows up again. We've already seen this in the first episode, but we see it again. She ITMs uh, just being very cool. And she sees Justin being very cool. Sorry. And she sees potential of something fun with him. She greets DLP at the gates of hell. He gets to talk to her about uh, Peter's season, how easy it was. Uh, it's like a joke that completely misses. She's like, yeah, it wasn't that easy. And then she says she hopes to find love in paradise. He gives her a date card and DLP tells her to, in quotes, get in there and make some plays. If that's not open gameplay speech, it don't exist. I think DLP is deep in the pit. Clues. He is an innocent angel. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he 100% is. He's fucking tweeting about hoojus. He ain't an innocent angel, but he's in the pit. This man, I think what he's doing, despite the fact that he is the host of the show, I think he's got one foot in the T, one toe in the T. He can be turned is what I'm saying. Okay, so you're switching over to my opinion now. That's interesting. No, you said he's innocent. No way this motherfucker's innocent. He's done how many seasons of the show now? Three? His innocence is gone. It took D- uh, DLH four seasons to turn full Dark Lord. He's getting there. I think he's got maybe one more season in him. After he does fucking 27, this motherfucker is full Dark Lord. Time will tell. Yeah, one uh, like five months. Alio is also a student of this game. He says, more girls will come today. And Victoria comes in. Genevieve ITM's every woman was intimidated. And her date card reads, don't be afraid to make a splash. She pulls Logan. Shanae loads love level one for Logan. She pulls Johnny. They do a little flirtation. And then she pulls Justin Glaze. And she's like, I've heard about you. We see Genevieve ITM, it's my birthday tomorrow and I could go home. Again, we get this emphasis on birthdays that is a huge thing in Bachelor in Paradise. Huge. You'll remember last season. It was Kenny Brash's birthday and Mari Pepin had prepared him a nice cake (laughs) and Demi Burnett stole the cake idea, came out to deliver the cake to Brash and Mari Pepin threw it in a fire. 
God, that scene was great. I'm sorry. I thought you were referring to Tammy Lee saying it was her worst birthday ever and that the season before she had had COVID. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, birthdays play an important role. So uh, you never want to tell the producers what your actual birthday is if it's going to be in paradise because they will make sure that's the worst day of your life is essentially what we're learning here. I completely disagree. I think you absolutely should Mm. say that your birthday is during paradise so that you can have this attention on you and someone will have to bring you a cake. You're right. They'll build a whole story around it. uh, Victoria Fuller and Justin shit on something called Broadway Girls in Nashville. I guess this is women who go to the bars on this street. I didn't understand this. I don't know. What they were talking about. I think it's some local humor. But she gives the date card to Justin and we get first tears from Genevieve and she sobs into the sea just like Laner did in this most recent House of the Dragon episode. Oh, shit. You trying to twist those up now? That's interesting. You're seeing parallels between The Bachelor and House of Dragons? I'm just saying it's hard for me to not see them. I'm seeing constant parallels. <laughs> This is me digging a new little pit for myself. Are you counting all the ladders in fucking House of Dragons? I try not to. When people kiss, I still get that urge to like, oh "Oh my God, actually, that should be my scream. I write it how I write it in Bachelor. I say 1K, you know, for the recap. And I'm like, it's the shorthand that just works. Whatever. Anyway, we we go out on... Your machine that just spits out Bachelor information now. Everything must be seen through this lens. If you fill your brain with one thing, it's amazing what can happen. Portion two. Oh, no. We're halfway through. Genevieve is still crying, and we get some Clayton slander continuing. It's honestly a great way to get screen time. I would recommend it. <laughs> it's unreal that they're still shitting on this guy. They, he just did a, a podcast, Caitlin Bristow's show, with Susie Evans. And it's super emotional. They're crying because they haven't seen each other since the official breakup. And they talk essentially about how the show fucking destroyed their relationship. That all the outside pressure from it and stuff is like what drove it apart. And, uh, you know, to see on, on the day that like these... I mean, this came out yesterday, I guess, and the podcast came out today. But like, there's just no... Like, the producers don't give a fuck about any of these players. Like, we're talking about how they need to protect leads and all this shit and that they don't do that anymore. But it's like, you also have to protect the legacy of the game, the prestige of it. That once you're a fucking bachelor or bachelorette and you're in a successful relationship, you are promoted through the show as a success so that people see you and they say, oh, it worked. That's great. They're from my favorite show. I want good things for them. Instead, you shit on them and, and destroy the relationship. Exactly. Or I want to apply to the show and be like them. I want to be in a power couple like that. You're just going to get worse candidates. Yes. that's And that's what's happening. Because it's not only that the relationships don't uh, you know, form lasting bonds in most of these cases, that people don't get married. It's not that. It's that the lives these people lead are filled with fucking sorrow and heartbreak immediately after coming off the show. If you try to make the relationship work, eventually there's going to be a month where people are speculating that you're breaking up, leading into the big breakup. Then you got to make a fucking joint Mm -hmm. post about it. Then you got to go on a fucking podcast and cry. It's like no one wants to be doing that shit. And that's all you're, you're turning out of the show now because of how you're destroying the relationships. That is basically what we saw in the pilot Rachel and Tino breakup as well, that the time post show where she had to do all this press and stuff, and they literally put that in the document. 
that that is what like caused these major fractures in their relationship. I mean that that is the that is one of the the biggest problems I think with the current producer tier is they don't understand all of these players are saying the show fucked the relationship up. <laughs> the show is meant to put a relationship together. That's what that should actually be the goal of it. And you set up these situations for players. God damn it, we'll get to the suitcase. But like a good producer, at least in my opinion, from past eras, when the show was at its height, what they did very well was give you villains, but we loved them and they were fun because they also were building toward the love story that you felt in some way was potentially real. You at least felt like the producers cared that it happened. Now you mm -hmm. don't. There is no inkling of a feeling that the producers give a shit about any of these people. And in fact, it seems that they have like malicious hatred for most of them. <laughs> that's just, yeah. that's what it seems like <laughs> when you're watching the show now. Yeah, that's the vibe. And that comes from the producers, the top tier ones. You, you gotta change what you're doing, guys. You gotta. I don't see what is malicious at all about um, what they did with Sally's items. And <laughs> there's, there's no maliciousness I can see on the horizon. Yeah, yeah, me either. We'll get to it. But uh, portion two begins of episode two. Parisi is sobbing in the bedroom. She ITM. She's more interested in Justin in one day uh, than she was in Clayton in a month. That's the thing we were just talking about, shitting on Clayton. Producers send Victoria to interrupt Justin and Genevieve before they can start talking. Uh, so she kind of comes with the date card, but they go off by themselves anyway. And she's <laughs> lingering around weirdly. Like they clearly sent her in just to fuck with them. We get this one on one time. Yeah. They were all forced onto the same staircase here. Yeah. In a, a like two foot by two foot fucking square area. Makes no sense whatsoever. Then we get some one, one on one time with Justin and Genevieve. He tells her uh, he is going on the date. And he would want her to do the same thing. So they ultimately know that if they wind up together, it's because they have a better connection than they had with other people. This is a basic paradise strategy to say, I'm not all exiting yet. This is an options open strategy. Mm -hmm. And it uh, doesn't really work <laughs> so well for old Justin. Genevieve says she has no backups and she admits uh, this to the other players as um, Kira is ITMing that she's in a predicament because she has no backup either. And Justin heads out to his date with Victoria Fuller in his best shirt as Genevieve ITMs that she hopes it goes terribly. Then we get the one-on-one -on -one date. This is an adventure dune buggy through the jungle, waterfall, swimming pool date. That's what I wrote in my notes. So it must be true. This waterfall date. They're in a swimming pool in bikinis. I thought this was a very interesting choice for this date, given the history that Victoria Fuller has with this exact environment on Pilot Pete's season, in which she was on the Cosmo group date, and the winner would get a Cosmo shoot in the actual magazine. And she was the first player to have that group date win revoked when Cosmo, when her photos where she was posing for a company that sold uh, White Lives Matter merchandise. When those photos came out, Cosmo revoked the cover and they have her go into the same exact environment. I thought that was very interesting. This is what they do now. I mean, shit, we saw this, the two on two date, the double date as they call it. I call it a two on two. <laughs> oh, I called it two on two also. <laughs> I wrote the number 202 in my notes, my shorthand. Yeah, I mean, that's an exact recreation of a fucking two-on-one they already had. It's absurd. 
I mean, we're going to get to that. We're getting so far ahead of ourselves. And I mean, Victoria Fuller knows what they do fully. I mean, she's become basically a meme mm. with the the Chase Rice, the singer, uh, when they brought back her like one night stand to be the musical performer on her one on one date. Anyway, Justin loads love level one for Victoria Fuller. I've definitely felt a vibe. And there is a ladder right by this waterfall. My ladder of the week. You probably didn't see it because it was covered up by the next shot. We get a Victoria oh. Fuller's ass it's stripping to this bikini. This homage to the infamous bikini photo shoot. And... They don't black box Victoria Fuller's butt. Maybe she picked the perfect shaped swimsuit, but they they paid money. They paid money for this butt. They are getting their money's worth. <laughs> they are like, Victoria Fuller is super hot. She's this hot commodity. And they really focus on her body a lot in this, I noticed. Yes. To not see that black box was astounding to me. That mm -hmm. was, it was shocking to me because it was definitely a choice. Don't. <laughs> Put a black box over her butt. Do not. That must be seen. Everyone else gets yes. black boxes. If they're, if there's anything remotely in that region that might be catching the light a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Black box. Black box. Black box. Black box. This was an active fucking choice. If there's a girl wearing jeans, <laughs> black box. <laughs> but no black box here. You must imagine this was a choice that was made by several groups of people. It had to pass certain standards and practices at ABC. There were executive roomfuls of people watching this, making these decisions. And this was the decision they made. This is our beloved game. As Andrew Spencer says, her name has weight. And they climb up this ladder. <laughs> I feel like I'm hallucinating. <laughs> Portion three, we get a girl chat between Shanae and Kira. You gotta, you missed a casting card. I did? What was it? Right after that scene, the casting thing goes, hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You're not the loser she said you are. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Get off the couch and go to abc.com slash casting. So they're recruiting guys, I guess. Oh, interesting. Loser guys. It's like you got dumped by a girlfriend who called you a loser. I don't know. Hmm. They're, they're, the nagging in the casting cards is, isn't... But also, like, is that the person you want signing up for the show? Don't you want... Like, what's a better casting thing? Like, hey, you. Hey, you. Yeah, you out there. Were you the quarterback of a Division One football team in college who now makes over <laughs> $2.5 million a year selling luxury real estate in Arizona or Florida? Yeah, you. Why don't you come on down to ABC Casting? Like, that's what they should be doing. Am I wrong? That's so funny. No, you're not wrong. They should Fuck. be doing, hey, you, you know that super attractive, eligible yes. friend of yours? Mm -hmm. Sign them up. Not this kind of strange nagging, hey, you, getting that weak dick energy from the comic book <laughs> store guy. <laughs> yeah, who are these fucking people coming out? Who are they looking for? They should also make one that's just like, hey, you, yeah, you. Will you do literally anything a producer tells you to do no matter what? Come on down to abccasting.com. Like, they need that shit, too. They need more Kiras, in my humble opinion. I would love a season full of Kiras. As would I. And we see a glimpse of what that would be in this girl chat. Kira says she's putting her... I'm putting myself out there so much, not getting anything back. 
weak dick energy and we see a crab and Shanae gives her advice. Don't be forceful. You know, some people are all in like Serene and Brandon and Kira loads love level one for Casey. She ITMs. I like how his mind works and I rubbed his nipples. Yeah, that's a pretty colorful love level one. Uh, then we get Casey and Olio walking the beach talking about the nipple grab and how much he didn't like it. Kira's too much for him. He likes crazy, but he needs... Did he say good girl to get engaged to? Yes. My notes are a little... I need a good girl. He Jesus said my... Christ. Oh, oh, this is what it was. He said... He says to Alia, last night she grabbed me immediately, started playing with my nipples, told me her love language was fucking. <laughs> yeah. And then his... Uh, ITM is my love language is tacos. Like Casey is giving us the opposite of what Kira is giving us right now. We see Jacob, Sierra, and Hunter do some strange workouts. They black box their butts. And Jacob ITM is about his body, like body shaming himself. They want bigger legs and bigger shoulders. And Sierra continues to ITM Zam Zaddy. He has this great glowing, vibrant energy. Alio and Sierra are glowing each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. Love a pet couple. And Alio tells her, I don't date multiple people. I'm trying to do this right. I don't know if you're vibing with anybody. And Sierra says, not really. I like you. Love level ones. Alio, he says, I like you too. Love level ones. Her right back. And then he plays wall. Says he takes things slow after his wife passed away. Then he... You know, we get a lot of this 4TRR audio stuff about his PTC. He produces tears and he tells Sierra, one thing I'm scared of is I'm not ready. I don't want to use someone to get ready. And Sierra says, if I were married, you know, walking up and waking up in bed would be sad. And he says that when she passed away, he started sleeping across his bed. It's these really sad details. And she produces tears, gives him a hug. And seems like they're really connecting. Yes. And he uh, he says everyone wants to be happy. He thanks her for listening to him and we get a kiss here. It's so perfectly played and the edit is so good. Like I just yeah. there's no way they're not ending up together in my humble opinion. I agree. He ITMs how amazing she is and how she understands that old type of love like from BIP season four or five. None of this BIP season six, mm. seven or eight type of love. He wants that old type of BIP love. That Iaconetti high bond type of love. That Roper Tolbert type of love. That's what he's talking about. I'm like, Iaconetti and Jared just fought when they were on BAP. They got together outside of the show. Love works in mysterious ways, they say. Portion four begins with some chicken fights in the pool. And a strange bug is floating around this pool. Is it a wasp? Is it a beetle? I have no idea. But someone literally calls it a creature, and this strange bug was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. They called it a fucking creature in the document. There was no way this was not going to be my creature. So this was my creature. I thought it was a beautiful homage to the fantasy suite. Small dick 
beer bug that was in the drink during Bachelorette. Anyway, we see Shanae bonding with Logan. Haley and Genevieve have this girl chat, and Haley doesn't like that Shanae is pursuing Logan. And we see Shanae and Logan frolicking in the water. Shanae is on Logan's back. Jill, Teddy, and Hunter watch. And Hunter, she is funny. She's like, should I do a breaststroke steal? If I had a snorkel, it would be over. <laughs> she is funny. like, And that's why I think the, the IBS thing is like, whatever. You know, clearly a producer's idea. But the fact that she's yeah. like willing to go with it and she's making these jokes and shit. I, I'm sad she's gone. I think she was underutilized, unfortunately. But uh, then Shanae ITM's excitement about the butterfly she feels for Logan. But she's intimidated by the other beautiful women here on the beach. And Shanae 2.0, she says, is not a villain. But she also doesn't want her man to be taken from her. So she's rebranded here now completely. She's saying, yes, I might have been a shithead in my season of Bachelor. And now she's back. Haley emerges, sees them in the ocean. And Logan and Shanae then make out in front of everyone. This does not go over well. And uh, we get some one-on-one time with... Then Haley and Logan, she says that she loves it there. No one says that ever, uh, at least that I've seen, where they're like, I love paradise. But Haley tells him she wanted to pull him, but didn't want to interrupt. And we start getting some fool music cues here. She says she's in her shell a lot like a snail. She's shy. And he says, I think you mean like a turtle. Huh? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Turtle is, is something we've been saying for a very long time here on this program, and it describes players who don't get the time to talk to a lead in the main game. Here it's used in a similar fashion. That's all I'm going to say. Mm, I did I did have a friend text me. It was before I had even watched the episode, and she just said, mm-hmm. turtling. Sorry, I'm high and watching BIP Logan reference turtling. <laughs> Hmm. Target odd. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So does this count? I'm just saying, is this the first time we have seen our terminology in game? Do you count it? Oh, I mean, I don't quite. It's 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 no. closer. It's the closest we've had, but I don't quite. Anyway, she hmm. ITMs that it sucks to have a connection and then have that disappear in one day. But she believes in her connection with Logan. Rapini comes in with that date card. Shanae. It's time to rewrite your love story. She asks Logan on the date he accepts. Haley ITM's this development uh, is gross to her. She's not trying to fight with other players over a guy, produces tears, and we begin portion five. Night falls. A bunch of people are comparing scars from childhood accidents around the campfire. As Sierra reveals, she is missing a finger. This is new information. We get a slight PTC here from childhood. When she was five, a swing set fell on her and cut it off. Uh, Logan talks to a few people at the bar about what his date might be like with Shanae. He doesn't know. Haley gets some more <laughs> ITM time about how sad she is that he's going on the date with Shanae. And then Logan and Shanae exit. We get the one-on-one date with Logan and Shanae. This is a win in Rome. They just go uh, into the local town here. They go to what looks like a city dance kind of thing. They're drinking, etc. She ITMs. It's like the only date that has ever seemed like a real date on Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Well, they let them out of the, the beach. They let them out of the compound. They're they're still prisoners, but they're at least in like a the illusion of not being a prisoner is much more believable when they're in like a city. You know? There's other people and shit. Yeah. There's other people dancing. Yeah. 
Shanae says she's been cheated on in every relationship, but she's smitten and has butterflies. Love level one for Logan. And he tells her he's attracted to her strength. And they make out. Portion seven, Jill asks Genevieve what her plan is. And Genevieve says she's going home. She accepts it. And Jill brings up this storyline Imagine if Sally came now. It was all over Instagram that Sally was all over Justin at Stagecoach. So not even the date that Justin is on, they are theorizing that there's another problem in this relationship, which is Sally. The producers are telling them to say that because they need to lead in that Sally Carson is now going to be a narrative. I mean, we're going to get into this suitcase and all this shit. That's what I mean. Like, it's it seems like a very direct starting of a storyline. Yeah, it's scripted. 100% scripted. This whole thing about they were at Stagecoach. Like, not all these people know that shit. Or maybe they do, but, like, they're not going to talk about it openly unless the producers are like, now we'll talk about Sally and Justin at Stagecoach. Okay, and begin. So, we get this idea of Sally showing up on stand. Then we cut to the women's room where they, I assume some of them sleep or get ready. Lace is in there doing her makeup when she notices behind her a fake suitcase with a yellow piece of tape on it on which is written the name Sally. This is Sally's suitcase, in quotes. It is absolutely not. This is a prop for this scene that they are shooting in a piece of scripted fiction. Lace doesn't know who Sally is, so she comes out to the beach. I got to tell somebody else about this. She discusses it with Genevieve, Sierra, Hunter, (laughs) and Jill. They all go to check it out, and some of... Uh, these players know who Sally is because they were players from her season. Kira gets the colorful narrator ITM explaining who she was. We get flashback footage of her leaving the show before it even started. She was, of course, the person who uh, was about to get married before Clayton Eckert's season started. And then she didn't get married, so she came on the show. But then the first day she was there, it was too much for her to handle. So she left before night one even. And that was all we got of her. So they all go to check out this bag. They just open it. They just start going through shit. There is no, hey, should we do this? It doesn't pop open accidentally. They are now just cracking open someone's suitcase and rifling through her shit. They're throwing the shit around. They find her hair extensions, throw, make a joke and throw them on the ground. They find a waffle iron that Genevieve tells us was her wedding gift at the Women Tell All, which we never saw her at. They cut her. A deleted hot seat. They go so far to explain this. It's absolutely insane. And uh, finally, the last thing we see is there is a vibrator that is turned on and vibrating. Now, this, of course, was my wow moment, moment of the millennium. millennium. What are we to believe as viewers, as the nation, that this is real and these players are the biggest pieces of shit on the planet to just crack open somebody else's suitcase and start throwing their shit around? If that's real... These players are horrible people. Or what's actually true is the producers created the suitcase. None of it is real. They conscripted those players to come in and do this scene, which is essentially scripted, in an effort to drum up drama. Is what it looks like on the surface. But you then find yourself... I mean, that is what happened. But you also find yourself wondering, well, why did they do this, though? Why would they do this to Sally Carson? And then we get our fucking answer to punish her for not adhering to 
every rule they had about when they wanted her to come to paradise and what they wanted her to fucking be in paradise. So Genevieve and Hunter then uh, theorize that she's going to be there in the morning. They have no reaction or hesitation about going through her shit. And the the scene was very important. The lengths that they go to to tell this story without this person being here, including the suitcase, including something else, which we will get to, is so extraordinary. And it, let's say sh- this story is true and her suitcase went without her. Why would they put it in the room with this person who's not coming? They're literally just placing it to drum up drama. Yes. And faked all the shit in it. But the waffle iron, at least, like the vibrator is one thing. That is like slightly cartoony. The waffle iron is 100% like cartoon. This is like a Saturday Night Live sketch of like, well, what do you pack when you go to the beach? I'm going to bring my waffle iron. No, the vibrator is a cartoon too. A, a vibrator that's on, that doesn't have a case. Yes. And, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what is this show? Is it a place where people go to like actually find love? Or is it this other thing? Like right now it's two shows. And that is one reality show that is like, it's a different version than this. Yeah, You can't ask us to believe that these relationships are real and then show us that fucking suitcase. Because now if any of those players at least who were involved with the suitcase, get involved in anything real, I don't buy any of it because you just had them selling a fucking vibrator in a suitcase with a waffle iron to me. No, it's literally, they are like, let's mm-hmm. get Genevieve Parisi to break down as much as possible. She's already low. Let's hit her with this. And she says, this makes me want to go and pack my bags. Torture me more. It is exactly the intention Absolutely. that they have set for this. Portion eight. Genevieve and Jill and Lace go ask Wells if he knows anything about this suitcase that showed up. And he says, yes, I do. Are you ready for Wells story time? And we get old timey credits, the saga of Sally's suitcase. And this reenactment was my wowie moment of the week. We've seen reenactments before. We saw the child pretending to be Annalise to re-hit her childhood uh, bumper car PTC. We have never seen people who are wearing wigs to recreate this storyline in a comical way that is like extremely complicated and it just feels incredibly petty and like, they're just pissed that she didn't leave when they want that. But this is my guess. Yeah. I have no idea. But it seems like they're just pissed she didn't leave when they wanted her to. Maybe she was still going back and forth with this ex. And they were just like, fuck her. Let's tell this backwards storyline where we bring up a hot seat we never even aired and do all of this shit to like shit on this person before they arrive. Yes, that's 100% what this is. They had to punish her because she didn't do exactly what they wanted. That's what all of this is. They created this fake suitcase to embarrass her, essentially, so that she walks onto the beach completely embarrassed. They're setting her up to be destroyed immediately, as soon as she arrives. They don't know what she's going to do in the game, and it looks like she's going to come next week from the promo we saw, actually show up on sand. But they're setting her up to be destroyed. That is what they're attempting to do. And it's a man in her 
in a dress, like making fun of like how old time actors used to represent women and like making fun of her. Of course. All of this is to make fun of her. And obviously without her consent. This is not the same as Hunter Hogg, who is like seemingly down for the joke. I don't think Sally Carson is down for the joke or they wouldn't be doing this. It's just extremely petty. And again, it it goes to that thing I was talking about in the beginning. The producers don't respect any of the players anymore. The players to them, I think they have built such a contempt for them at mm-hmm. seeing some of the big ones get massive social media followings and make shitloads of money, more than any of those producers are making in some cases, like a Caitlin Bristow, a fucking Hannah Brown. Those people are making fuckloads of money. I think much higher than the producer tier, Vial. Um, I think they get pissed at that because they're like, we control this whole thing. Fuck you for doing this. And so now that contempt has seeped into every player. All they see when a new player comes in is somebody who could potentially be the next Hannah Brown, and we're not going to let that happen. I think that's what's in their mind. And it, it seems like what the, the tone behind all these decisions, at least that's what it seems like to me as I watch it. I don't know the truth of this, I'm just saying that is what it looks like to me as I'm seeing it come through the document. I can't understand the decisions behind why you would do the suitcase and why you would do the sketch about Sally Carson if that wasn't your intent. I mean, it absolutely seems like they are just trying to destroy this person in every way. Wells is playing multiple roles. They're saying, I can't, I have explosive diarrhea. They're like, again, bringing up poop, which they used to shame people. And Wells even pretends to be her ex. And we get this bit where the producer's trying to pick her up. And then she goes to talk to the ex and forces a producer into the trunk. I mean, like, I, who knows how much of this is real or not, but it's like, okay, so there's a scheduling conflict with someone who doesn't come to paradise. Why does this need to be a 20 minute? reenacted scene with this person who can't defend themselves or uh, confront this narrative at all. I completely agree. It makes no sense unless, again, they're just petty and want to make her look bad. I, 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 That's the only fucking reason to have this in here. It's the only reason to have made this decision. And then you see it. You shoot that little thing. Your editor fucking puts it together for you. That well sketch. You watch it and you're like, yep, let's put that in. You, you have a, a decision to make even up till the very end. Are we going to actually put this in the document? And they fucking put it in. Yeah. It's absolutely bananas to me. And they show them, they're like, we get her packed up and they there's a different vibrator that's used in this one. Like there's continuity errors with the vibrators. And Wells is now an airport person. And then that all goes to show Wells says, oh, well, that's her bags are here. She didn't get on the flight, but that's why it's here. It's like the bag got on the plane. So you were forced to take it and go put it in the women's room before she arrives. That's not there's not like a direct tube from the airport to the Palapa. (laughs) It just rolls off the fucking plane straight to paradise. But I mean, that's what they're asking us to believe. And it's just so fucking stupid the truth of it is, I assume. <laughs> I'm like, oh, tell me. <laughs> that Sally Carson is there. She's there that day. She showed yeah. up when everybody else did, but she gave him some kind of guff in the beginning about scheduling or whatever that they were like, all right, fuck you. Now we're going to do this to you. Nonetheless, Genevieve then takes Sally's vibrator to the bar. She's showing it to all the guy players. 
And so she's either going by a producer script here I wrote or the most heinous asshole on the planet. I mean, can you imagine that? If that was real? It, that's why it's... That's further evidence that it's not real, that people are like touching it and throwing it at people. Also, rest assured, this Friday on uh, Twibbon, we're going to be going through the whole timeline of the parasocial reaction to this event in the nation from the players. Things like Genevieve Parisi basically tweeting, this wasn't fucking real. We have for the first time yeah. players going against the production saying what actually happened because I think the fallout from this has been so detrimental for everybody involved that they're just like, I don't care if the producers get pissed. Like they can't be telling people this is real because people are getting nasty fucking DMs, Genevieve Parisi being one of them from the fourth audience who thinks all this shit's real. Not all the fourth audience does, but you know what I mean? There's a contingent of the fourth audience that thinks this show is real. Oh, yeah. I've seen the comments on all of their most recent posts. There are comments being like, why would you do this? Yeah. And et cetera. Genevieve ITMs, this feels like fucking torture. Again, they're just putting this in the document. And we see Genevieve and Kira talk and Kira is like, are you afraid that Justin and Sally will be into each other? He was really macking on Sally. So Kira is tattling on Justin from Stagecoach. And this is an interesting play because it is now being refuted by Justin on Twitter. And now twi on Twitter, Kira and Justin are in a are in some sort of fight. <laughs> about the narrative of this. It's not just Kieran Justin. I've seen some other videos popping up too. I don't know who the fuck's posting them. It might just be on some of the aggregators like Bachelor Nation Scoop or something, but I've seen like some uh, little Instagram live videos of like different people from Stagecoach. It's like, and, and they're there, they're like in the same shots and stuff. And it's like, if you're going to be saying this didn't happen, you were a fucking Bachelor player at Stagecoach, dude. There's a thousand videos. You're being filmed constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened, we're going to see it. Like that's happening now. And we'll be covering that in Twibbon as well. I am proud of these players, though, especially like Kira, et cetera, for going to Stagecoach, like getting in the mix so that you can have this information and be like, well, this did happen. Yes. Listen, this is how I'm just saying if you are eliminated an early stage of the game. What Kira is doing is exactly what you have to do. The grocery store Joe path is like, that's extremely rare. That's going to happen one in a fucking million with somebody who blows up as like, oh my God, I can't believe that person went home night one. Th that's extremely rare. I think you're better off pulling what Kira's pulling and just being like, I'll do anything you want. Put me in coach. And ha having gone to all these other bachelor functions, the parasocial value you get out of going is the proof that you were there. So if some other fucker pops off like Justin is doing on Paradise, you could be like, uh-uh-uh, here's a picture of me and you in a fucking swimming pool, dude. Yeah, and it looks very bad to be dismissing, in my opinion, it look it, dismissing people and being like, you weren't even there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Let's continue. <laughs> Genevieve ITMs. It's only two day. It's only day two, but she wishes America could feel what she feels. Why would she wish this upon us? How dare you, Genevieve? But no, it was chilling to me because it was like the emotional trauma that these players go through. You also got to remember, these motherfuckers probably had a, a grand total of 15 minutes sleep in the last 48 hours. Yeah. They wake you up at all times. They have lights on and shit. It's fucking crazy. This shit is like... It's like 6 a.m. for me right now. I'm extremely jet-lagged, and I feel almost non-functional. So. 
<laughs> well, we only got an episode to go. I'm ready to do my voluntary nudity plays. Whatever you want, coach. <laughs> okay. Sure, I'll I'll bring that vibrator in the boom boom room. Do I get AC and a pillow? Okay. Might as well. Uh, and that's what how we end this thing. After this Genevieve, Genevieve ITM, we get this strange moment where Kira goes into the boom boom room with supposedly Sally's vibrator. Um, and she looks right in the camera and gives us almost a fucking wink. This is pro wrestling. Implied consummation. Yeah. <laughs> she got an implied <laughs> consummation with Sally's fucking vibrator. This is pro wrestling to me at this point. They're just totally scripting it and, and having them act it out. Then we get another casting card. Sally's suitcase is lonely and looking for love. Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. I don't understand this one at all. Wait, they did the suitcase in one? They said Sally's suitcase is, is lonely that? and looking for love. Who is that getting to apply? I have no fucking idea. I don't know. I think they're trying to make Sally's suitcase into the new Adam Jr. And it's not. And it's just such a strong miss that they're hitting again and again. They me. they should bury Sally's suitcase. They should cut it out of the fucking document. Never talk about it again. That's your best option here. Because like, are they going to have a fucking a Paradise reunion show and not talk about that fucking suitcase and the dildo and all that? They're not going to let her be on it. I bet. Just... Just based on this, I'm guessing. But yeah. Genevieve ITMs in the beginning of portion nine that it is her birthday and she always cries and she doesn't want to go home. And we see Victoria and Justin return. Genevieve asks, is Victoria wearing his shirt? Do we know if this was his shirt? If so, a strong move. I don't think it was. It wasn't the shirt that he, he left in. And they have put Sally's suitcase in the rocks now and they have personified this suitcase with clothing. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists... Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. 
Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband you want that you don't want it to be rolling you don't want it to be showing and i'm hooked i don't want to wear anything else it's all got to go now well this ad actually is kind of about that pace case everybody knows me undies <laughs> makes great underwear it's in the name me undies but it's not just about underwear you can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers hoodies onesies and a whole bunch more and their move me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market there's no doubt about it right now you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash roses. That's meundies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. Me Undies, comfort from the outside in. Yeah, it's Sally now. This is all she is. Hair extensions, a waffle iron, and a vibrator. That's Sally. That's all she is. <laughs> This is why you don't make scheduling conflicts. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> oh, God. Someone's going to take your sex toy and have sex with it. So Genevieve starts telling Hunter, Casey, and Romeo that he was uh, that he was doing some things that morning that she didn't like. Didn't say hi to her fast enough, so maybe she doesn't like him anymore. But she's not talking to him. And Olio tells Justin that uh, Genevieve has been moaning and pouting all day. Glaze says he doesn't want to hurt her feelings, especially on her birthday, which, oops, midnight has passed. It already is her birthday. You fucked that one up, dude. And the producers have made sure this conversation happens on her birthday. They use, I wrote this fucking thing. They use birthdays in paradise a lot, blah, blah, blah. All the shit we already talked about up top. Then we get some one-on-one time with Genevieve and Justin. He tells her that this makes her uncomfortable. She asks him how the date went. What are his thoughts? And he says it was fun. It was tough, but it was fun. And I know you don't want to hear that. And he asks her what she's feeling. And she says she's checked out after hearing what he just said. She wanted a definitive answer. He's being honest. He doesn't have one. She doesn't know what to do from here. From what she's hearing, she doesn't think it moves forward. We get some tears, some Parisi tears. She then says this has been a terrible day. She needs something. She can't just be interested in him from the beginning. She's been interested in him from the beginning and she needs to have this kind of like understanding of whatever this is going to be. 
And he says, Genevieve, you were the only person I was talking to all day. Do you think I was expecting someone else to come here and ask me on a date? He says, uh, have you seen the program, sir? What happens is you get involved in a relationship with somebody and then they send in someone to take you on a date who doesn't actually give a fuck about you. They specifically time it so that the bombshell then targets you so that this exact thing will happen. That's the whole thing. But also that's something with Olio and Sierra that I'm noticing. They ain't doing that. Nobody's trying to break them up. Oh, no. No, you need one. You need one, maybe two, four TRR couples. They have Serena and Brandon, and they have yeah. Alio and uh, Sierra. Yep. The other people they want to fuck up. They're trying to make a grocery store. This is how you make a grocery store, Clues. Oh, believe me, I'm well aware of the grocery store construction <laughs> methods. But basically, this conversation ends with her leaving him on the daybed and... Uh, so he can feel everything he needs to feel. And this is two days into the, the entire process. The next portion begins. It is night still. Jill explains that she and Romeo are doing well. She just wants some time to talk to Romeo. He ITMs that he likes her, but doesn't want to commit on day two to a relationship. He's playing in options open here. She waits for him and breaks off to talk to Brittany Galvin instead. Uh, and he breaks off, sorry, to talk to Brittany Galvin. And we get some one-on-one time between Brittany and Romeo. He tells her he was afraid that if he didn't talk to her that night, he might lose his chance. She says she considers Jill a friend and respects her. So where is it at with them? And he tells her that uh, nothing is 100%. Jill sees this and starts talking about it with Hunter. Then we cut to back to Brittany and Romeo. And he tells her he wants to pursue something with her, but he wants to do it without devastating Jill. Would you be open to this? And... She's not. Jill walks off into the night. Or sorry, Jill walks off into the night not wanting to see the outcome of this. And Romeo leans in for a kiss on Brittany. She dodges the fucking kiss, turns into a weird hug, says, sorry, with respect to Jill, I can't do this. She tells him uh, she really has to think about it and wants to talk to Jill first. And Romeo's pursuit of Brittany Galvin from top to bottom was my... Error, 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 error of the game. This was insane, in my opinion. He's got already a weird love triangle thing happening with Jill and Kira. Now he's adding a third person into the fucking mix who clearly is not interested. This was a huge mistake, and it will obviously wind up devastating him for the rest of the fucking game that we've seen so far. I couldn't believe he did this. Romeo pulling Britney was my error, 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 error of the game. It is devastating. Every single consequence of this, it goes horribly. He obviously didn't have enough guy chats or whatever, get enough information to know that this wasn't going to go well for him. And it results in a blocked kiss, which the show then we replays and we see it in slow motion, like a literal Mm. error of a fucking football game. Doesn't get more error than that, in my opinion. I agree. And I think it is ultimately going to be his downfall, this one play. I think so too. I think he's gone in the next rose ceremony. Uh, yeah. She ITMs that it was the most awkward conversation she's ever had in her entire life. <laughs> he turned her off. He's not her type of guy. She makes it very well known. There's nothing here. 
And if he were to give her a rose, she would tell him she would rather be hit by a bus, she says. I mean, there's it couldn't have gone worse. It could not have gone worse. Could not have gone worse. It is giving him a fool slash villain edit here. I mean, for him to have even gone for that, it makes me think that he was the the producers were gassing him up. They were like, Yeah, we've heard that she's really into you. She's hoping you kiss her tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. All of this is orchestrated. No one is operating under the and, and by the way, we're gonna see him later break down into fucking tears, sobbing. It's because this man has had 20 minutes of sleep over the past two days. All of these people are like not in their right minds, except probably Alio and Sierra and Brandon and Serene. They're like getting actual hotel rooms, fucking steak dinners and shit. They're just like keeping it secret. From Definitely. <laughs> uh, so Brittany then goes to Jill, spills it all to her. Jill ITM's anger at this maneuver. Romeo comes to talk to Jill and says, I don't. And she says, I don't want to talk to you at all. He pulls her anyway. She He flounders through this weird conversation and tells her that it's paradise and they're here to explore things. And she storms off down the beach telling him that she doesn't want to talk to him. He keeps coming after her. She still doesn't want to talk to him, doesn't want him to be near her. And she tells him that he's playing games and she doesn't want to play games. You are both actually playing a game. He leaves dejected and he tears into the night. And then Jill goes to Hunter and she says she shouldn't have trusted him again. She wasted her time. And then we see Romeo squat crying in the surf. And Jill calls him out for trying to get sympathy. We begin the next portion. Next day, we see a dog on the beach. This puppy that is being played with by the guys, an opposite crab, some might call it, was my... (laughs) Creature of the week. I am in full like dog dog mode. I mm. want I love them. And <laughs> so I love this puppy. Pace case in dog mode. <laughs> yeah, it was a cute, cute pup. Is that a thing people say when they have accoutrement on their bodies? Yeah, I think so. I think dog mode's common. Then Jill and Brittany laugh at Romeo's attempts the night before. Jill ITM's tears about the likelihood of leaving and Romeo not respecting her. I've been bamboozled, she says. She's going to look so hot at the rose ceremony to say, fuck you to Romeo. Romeo has gotten an undeserved, I felt like villain edit here. I wrote the same note that we just talked about. It felt like the producers were making all of this happen. Um, Yeah, 100%. And I think they're giving Jill kind of this like relatable queen edit and they're letting her like spray perfume and do her thing. And and I bet that was like, okay, but... You're going to look so hot at the rose ceremony tonight and we'll save you. Like, Yeah, I mean, don't forget, like in terms of the reality of their relationships, they have literally been in this location for two days. Two days this has been going on. In many cases, in my opinion, the emotional reactions are not warranted unless these people, again, have no fucking sleep and all that. That's how they get them to break down into nervous breakdowns constantly this quickly. They've been there for two days. Genevieve Priestley's had a nervous breakdown. Romeo is having a nervous breakdown. This is not by accident. They are doing everything they can to wear these people down as quickly as possible. Night falls. Everyone comes down the beach for the first rose ceremony. DLP shows up. He can tell paradise is working for some people. He singles out Lace and asks how it feels to have three women going home that night. Uh, She says it sucks because she wants to stay. He goes to Romeo, who says tonight is the night for a lot of honest and difficult conversations. He comes to Kira. 
Uh, she says the first day was hard because of Romeo, but she's moved on to greener pastures and is great where she is today. And DLP reminds them all that the rose ceremony means some will be leaving brokenhearted, but don't give up on love. Romeo ITMs, it's clear what he needs to do. Apologize to Jill, but Casey is swooping in possibly. We get some one-on-one time with Casey and Jill. She says she's hurt by Romeo. He agrees. He showed his hand. Casey asks what the future is for you. She doesn't know. Romeo comes in for the steal. Romeo gets a an official steal here from Casey. One-on-one time, Jill and Romeo. She shuts him down and says she's so hurt by him. He explains that he didn't choose to hurt her. And she says, yes, you did. Those are all your choices. And she says, I'm a great person, which I thought was a great line. Logan then gets an ITM, some colorful narration screen time, where he's commenting on how everything's a giant mess. So complicated, he likens it to a a complex math problem that Romeo must now solve. Back to that one-on-one time, Romeo says his attempt at a kiss was a mistake. No shit. She says she expected basic human decency from him, which he didn't deliver. He's floundering. Then he says, if I still give you a rose, do you think maybe you would accept it and stay on? You're in a bad position when you are the one giving out the rose and you have to ask that. She says the door is firmly shut and she can't trust anything he says ever. Now, I've gotten some DMs about these players who didn't accept his rose when he was like, if I give you the rose, would you be cool with it? Them all saying no. This is not an error, what these players are doing. He is now possibly the target of a villain edit. They all know that. If you accept a villain's rose, are you not yourself a villain? And especially if you accept it with the caveat, like, I fucking hate you, dude, but I'll take your rose. That's the most 4TWR thing you can do. That's rose chasing. They can't do that and still have a 4TRR cut. This is high level fucking like you're thinking next steps here. If I take this rose, what does it fucking mean? Because it looks like this is a sinking ship. I don't want to fucking go down with it. These are all of these players who refuse his rose are doing the correct thing here. Mm, I don't know. Not if you're not going to get one like Kira. I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it would have kept her around and it gives you some leeway to be like, fuck you, dude. But you also don't know exactly what the edit's going to be. So if you're too harsh on him, if you take the rose and then you kick him to the curb, what if they edit you to be the villain who just used him for a rose? Like you're giving them a possible storyline. It's so hard to know what the edit's going to be. I I just think like it's dangerous to accept that rose. Maybe it was the wrong play if you get kicked off, but it's fucking dangerous. You're rolling the dice there. And you you at least... If you know someone is getting a villain edit and everyone agrees, which I feel like is kind of the situation, it gives you this 4TRR glow about you if you are yes. kicked off because you get to go off righteously. Yeah. And you're like, hey, maybe when other people have been victimized, like Natasha Parker, maybe it's possible. I just get a rose from the show for how badly this person treated me. Mm-hmm. I'll somehow get a Hail Mary shot to stay. So we then go to the bar where Wells explains that paradise is about exploring options and making good decisions, but Romeo can only make bad decisions. And he uses this analogy of these buttons that are good and bad decision. And he's just hitting the bad decision button again and again and again. I mean, these Wells ITMs are basically just like sauce narration. He's essentially a producer and he says we at one point, which I'm like, Oh, are you a producer on this show? Oh, yeah. These are totally scripted. These are the producers basically laying out their narrative. No, I know they're scripted, but it is like it's it's jarring for me to see these Wells ITMs. Totally, because it it breaks that fucking idea that this is real in any way. Now you've just got like a host of the show telling me what I'm supposed to think about these players. 
and it's a moralistic judgment. Yep. He keeps pressing the bad decision button. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, they're doing shit in the season that I, I think is a mistake. But nonetheless, Romeo goes to talk to Haley. Doesn't work. I'm not Ollie. getting that vibe from you. <laughs> <laughs> you seem pretty happy with the producer. Uh, it'll it'll get back to where it needs to be. I have full faith that our game will return to its former glory and we will get a prestige season soon. I think it has to happen. Fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers crossed. Pay Tyler Cameron. God. And pay some other producers and stop paying the current ones, maybe. <laughs> Just a little... A little switching out. You know what I mean? And pay these dogs more. Yeah, more dogs. Olio gets an ITM insulting his intelligence. He's getting a massive villain fool here. Edit here, I wrote. Romeo is, I mean. Olio, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember right, he talks about how did this guy get into Yale or something like that. Makes me, watching him operate makes me question if he went to Harvard because he's cast this huge net. So we're getting, Olio is also like the everyman storyteller of this the grocery store yeah and he is giving a moralistic judgment and like a questioning his intellectual ability but now romeo wants to salvage a spark possibly with kira and she says i have a hard time trusting you and he says if i gave you a rose would you accept and she's like you've made rash decisions so i don't have an answer for you and he produces tears again. <laughs> then she has to STCO him. He apologizes for how he treated her. And uh, this is maybe the time when you can be like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll accept the rose, but no promises. Like you have him down there. You can do it as a like a benevolent kind of act. You can put that spin on it. Maybe you try that here, but... I agree. She should have changed her mind here. Yeah, but uh, then Lace gets an ITM shitting on Romeo, calls him a dead man walking. He breaks down sobbing at the bar. And uh, I just can't imagine what that guy's going through psychologically at that point. Probably almost no sleep, drunk all the time. He's like talking a little weird in his ITMs. Just aware that you're getting a villain edit on this show. Like that's got to be actually traumatizing because you know what's coming. Yeah, I might, you know, if I even smell the whiff of a villain edit, I might just fucking pack the bags. I'm out immediately because there's like, there's, it's so detrimental to get a villain edit now on this show um, in terms of like what your online life is going to be like, whether or not you even have enough followers to get spawn con. I'm just talking about when you open up your DMs and there's fucking 600 like you piece of shit. Fuck you. You're the worst. Like nobody wants to go through that. At any rate, we get tomorrow on BIP. We see all the shit that we're going to see from tomorrow. And then the tag is outtakes from the Sally Carson sketch. So we get even another hit of this fucking Wells Adams thing they they've made him do and they made us watch. We're going to move on to episode three. We get our intro. We see tonight on VIP, Kira does a voluntary nudity play. Kissing girls are scrambling. Johnny does what he wants. Romeo breaks down. We see Disarray. Jared and Ashley arrive. Rodney arrives. Bonesaw and Clancy arrive. The two-on-one enemies, Shanae and Genevieve, are put on a two-on-two double date. Portion one begins. Night. The cocktail party is happening. The women are worried about where their roses are coming from. Romeo is still breaking down. Tears play immediately. Romeo gets insulted by Wells in an ITM. Brandon ITMs that Rapini is crazy, but he's one of the hot commodities because he has a rose to give and no known partner. Kira ITMs that Rapini is her number one priority. Lace ITMs wanting Rapini's rose. 
101 time with Rapini and Haley. What are you doing? I don't know. I just, I wrote down Rapini so many times and I see it repeated and it's like burning a fucking laser through my skull every time I look at it. Rapini. I just see it. Rapini sounds like a Pokemon. <laughs> 101 time with Rapini and Haley. She is there to find her life partner. He says, do you think that's me? Honestly. <laughs> And then she just... I love that line. It was so fucking good. And then it was like, you know, she just, at least from what we see in she the kisses cut. kisses him. Yeah, she just ignores the question and fucking moves him for chemistry. Play with a kiss. Best way to end a convo you don't want to have with a kiss. <laughs> Absolutely. And she ITMs, this was her Hail Mary, more open gameplay speech. Love that. Love that. And then we see... Lace try to go for Rapini. <laughs> she says, I'm here for the real shit. I'd love to further this connection. And they make out. But then we see <laughs> Kira and her Rapini time. She puts him on a bed. She says, I'll BRB after she blindfolds him. And she ITMs, I'm going to work for his rose. And work she does as Kira performs a full voluntary nudity play dressed up in the Adam and Eve Bayleaf same situation, but the female version. And then she gets that kiss with Rapini. This voluntary nudity play by Kira was my... Play, 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 play. Of the game. We know what happens to Kira. Okay? I know. We all saw. She didn't make it through. But this shit is what it's about now. This is what Paradise is about now. You do whatever the producers say, and you even help them elevate it. I believe some of the shit that she's doing in here is slightly her idea. You know, at least how to play this character. I think she's incredibly smart. Yes. And she lays in these lines like, I want to be the Jane to your Tarzan. Oh, God. Perfect. It was perfect. Kira's voluntary nudity play was also my... Play, 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 play of the game. I loved it. I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. And I think that, honestly, she deserved the rose just for this. And she was robbed. The fact that they couldn't fucking manufacture one for her is like, this is what I'm talking about, producers. We see what you do for Natasha Parker. We know you can just generate a rose out of nothing. Fucking do it for the players who are helping you put on your show. You got to have respect for these players who are willing to do shit like this. It's in all of the promos. It's, you're advertising your show with this. She's doing all the promos. You go back and you look at what you did for Corinne Olympios. And I'm not saying that yeah. Kira Mengistu is on the same level as Corinne Olympios in terms of play. I don't think that's true. But maybe she could be if she was helped by the third audience more. Yeah, but I mean, that's part of the game. You have to get the third audience on your side. What I'm saying is that piece of the game has changed so much since season 18. The third audience, the producer tier... They have changed so much that there's no uh, there's no give and take. There's no ability to play with them anymore. So when you have somebody who comes in like Akira, who is basically like Tira Lakazi level fucking camera wants more of this all the time. Mm-hmm. And 
they just fucking like walk her out without anything. You got to keep somebody like that around and you have to fucking boost them up so that we want to watch them. I mean, we do want to watch them. We want to see not only more of them, but we want to know that their life's not going to get ruined when they leave the fucking show because we want to follow them on social media and see what funny shit they do. We don't want to see the first month of us following them on social media talking about the mental problems they got from being in the show. Right. That's like what the culture of it is doing to these fucking players now. You want to create fans of these people who, yes, are going to follow them on social media and see the other things that they do. Because it keeps people in the fandom and it keeps reminding them of Bachelor every time they see their face in their feed. And I agree with you. You don't want to feel about these people that they've just been through a trauma. And that is how so many of them describe it. And some of the leads describe it that way. Yeah, that's a problem. And that never used to be the case. Ever. Really before season 18, I think. I mean, you just had some nasty shit happen to people, obviously, in the past. But like, in terms of it being a this is what it is now type shit, that might not even have come in until like bubble seasons, like where it was guaranteed. I mean, bad. No, bad shit has been happening mentally to the people since season one. Like we had, you know, racism since season one with the first kiss. Totally. But even in those seasons, it didn't seem like they were like, we want everybody on this show to have nervous breakdowns in every episode. That didn't seem like the goal of those producers. You know what I mean? No, they sent them on like luxury dates too. Yeah. Anyways. This is going to be a 10-hour podcast. Anyway, Brandon I Brandon ITM's Kira looked like a lettuce wrap. Brandon has some good yeah. good colorful narration. And they cheers Jacob cheers to bad decisions with good people and Jacob and Kira do shots. Portion 2. Oh no. Oh no. Uh we get some Alio Sierra time bonding about her hair. We get Brandon and Serene kiss. We get uh, Brittany and Casey, we don't even see that relationship develop at all. We see Andrew and Teddy. And we see Victoria asking Alio about things that Justin was saying about her. And then Justin comes up and pulls her. And Victoria, this one-on-one time, like, I love to watch Victoria play. <laughs> like, Oh, God. It's... Look, here's the thing. I've mm-hmm. been thinking a lot about this. There's, in my mind, just as somebody who has watched a lot of this, we are now in a fucking time when like players from the beginning of the professional era, Pilot Pete's season, that mm-hmm. was so long ago in terms of what has happened to the culture of the game through the bubble seasons and the Matt James season and where we are now, the double bachelorettes. Yeah. Popeye feels like 100 years ago. Feels like 100 years ago. And so players who played in that era... They just got a different thing about them that is like, it's good because it's closer to the the prestige era, the, the season 17 and shit. It's closer to that. It feels better. It's not like as as shitty. There's like a confidence in what Victoria Fuller is doing that all other, pl- like, like contemporary players seem scared to me. 100%. Yes. She says my nipples out. <laughs> and I just, I heard that and I was just like, wow. She's like, I'm just such a guy's girl. (laughs) She wraps them all around her finger and it's lovely to watch her work. Unreal. And I'm just saying that confidence that she has, players now don't have it. It is replaced by fear. They are nervous and scared at what kind of edit they're going to get. 
And that is something that I don't think is good because you get, it's like tamped down. You don't get, you don't feel like any of these people are truly being themselves in a way, you know? They're all like afraid of what the producers are going to do. No, you hear Genevieve saying, I wish America could know how yeah. I feel. They're acutely aware the whole time that America is watching them. And they even have a discussion in this episode, I think, about that. They are flirting, Victoria, love level ones, Justin, I really like you. And Justin says, tomorrow I'm going to focus on you. And we cut back to Genevieve saying, I just want to get engaged and telling Wills that it's her birthday. Mm -mm -mm. Then Teddy tells Genevieve to talk to some other people so she doesn't go home. We see someone on time, one time with Justin and Genevieve. He has a little cake set up for her to show her that he still cares. He thanks the uh, producers and he tells her that he doesn't want it to be an all in or all out kind of thing. So he said he's not doing uh, all exiting here. This is an open options directly to a player involved in that agreement. If she is to agree, she says she deserves to know where his head's at. And he maintains that he told her just that exactly where his head was. And then she insults his proximity to her when he made that claim and his defensiveness. And then they seem to kind of be going at it in this little conversation about him going on the other date. She needs some kind of validation. He hasn't gotten it at all for her. And he's looking at the cake saying, isn't this the validation? The cake is the action she's demanding, he says. Um, again, this was the producers made the cake, obviously. Yes, but he agreed to go along with it. That's an action. <laughs> he agreed to, to carry. No, he didn't even carry it. It was there on the bed already. He agreed to go sit down by the cake. Okay, so Casey and Jill are watching all this happen as spectators to the situation. Then Victoria ITM is being nervous because Justin is still talking to Genevieve. So uh, she's going to explore other options as well. She likes Johnny, but he has a girlfriend. And that girlfriend is... Not a problem for Victoria. Not a problem. Victoria has seen the intro. She knows Hunter Hogg is just a uh, shit machine and nothing more. I think it's Hagee. Is it Hagee? Hunter Hagee? I don't know. I don't know the pronunciation of it. I will learn it by the next episode. Johnny and Hunter kiss. Then Victoria Fuller flirts with Johnny at the bar. Casey and Hunter talk about her being guaranteed to get a rose from Johnny. She ITM's confidence in that rose. Hmm. Not a good sign when they're asking you to ITM the confidence about the rose you're going to get. We get some one-on-one -on -one time with Johnny and Victoria Fuller. She says she gravitated toward him. I counted this as a love level one. They talk about being nervous and sweaty around each other. She touches his hair. Chemistry play off the charts for her. And Johnny admits vibing with Hunter, but then kisses Victoria Fuller. Her chemistry game is off the charts. Just can't be touched uh, on Paradise this season so far. I don't know who else is coming in, but this is that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a different game. She's playing... It's not a different yes. game, but it's like a different style. The, the style is so drastically different. And in my opinion, better. But also she was like, she got third place to fucking Madison Pruitt and Hannah Ann Sluss. She probably would have been the ring winner on any other season. That season 24 was so fucking mm -hmm. stacked with players. It's unfucking believable Fourth place was Kelsey Weir. Arguably the greatest hoojuer in the fucking world. Of all time. Hannah Ancelos, perfect night one. Madison Pruitt's about to be a billionaire. That's who she played with. <laughs> Fuck. 
Yeah, she. That was such a stacked season. God damn it! But I am glad that we get yes. to see her play again because you kind of forgot about how incredible she was to watch on Popeye's season. Excuse you, what is one of the best phrases that's ever yes. been in this show? We got the Chase Rice thing. We got just and this isn't even part of the fucking game. Oh, and the home te- she she made it past home downs without even going in the meeting of the family. Don't ever forget. Victoria Fuller flew to and stayed in for some amount of time Arlington, Iowa with Chris Souls. Remember that? Of course. I'll never forget that. And how people figured it out from like the wall color. I know the uh you know the White Lives Matter scandal was like a a dark period for her certainly. But I got to say she's one of the most interesting mm-hmm. players that I think's ever been in the game for a, a strange variety of reasons. And I'm very curious to see what happens to her by the end of the season. But anyway, here she gets this kiss. Hunter sees it. And then Casey says, let's go to the bar to maybe not be an eyeline of the horror, he says, as Johnny and Victoria Fuller continue to make out on their little daybed. DLP then arrives with the sound of shrill tings. Eleven, to be exact. A double one. What is the meaning? You tell me. Standard play is over. Portion three begins. First rose ceremony of the season. Twelve <laughs> girls, nine guys, three women are going to be eliminated. DLP emerges. He reminds the women that they can refuse the rose if offered. But if they don't get a rose at the end of the rose ceremony, you will be going home. We get the rose ceremony. Andrew to Teddy. Brandon to Serene. Michael to Sierra. Logan to Shanae. Casey to Brittany. Jacob to Lace. And he says, you are as stunning as you are iconic. Rapini. You you a student of this game, Rapini? I think Rapini has studied our beloved <laughs> game. He's correct in this. I mean, if he has not studied, he has been given the same exact lines as they gave to Kenny. <laughs> They just have like a full nudity player every season now. Although he does a line in this episode that I thought was an interesting choice. We also see Justin gives a rose to Genevieve and Johnny gives his to Victoria Fuller. And then Romeo gives his rose to Jill at the very end. He was the big question mark. Nobody said they would accept his fucking rose. (laughs) They rejected his pre-offers. But he gives her this rose. And as he's giving it to her, he apologizes to her. He says he wants the Rose to represent a fresh start to repair their relationship or for her to explore new connections. Even in this Rose ceremony, just think about what is going through his head. He knows they can't cut the Rose ceremony. They have to use the shot of him talking to her. So he takes the opportunity to immediately apologize to her and to us, the fourth Mm -hmm. audience. Look, He's trying to mitigate a villain edit here. And he knows this is his only chance to get dialogue they can't cut out into the That's show. That's smart. And it, it is very smart. I don't know if it worked, but this is one of the only ways you can do that. If you need to issue a fucking apology or try to turn a table or something, you do it while you're still holding the rose right before it goes to another person or right before you're about to accept it. And it was a good way to mitigate Jill denying the rose because he's like, oh, or if you want to find love. 
It's a benevolent, he's like, it's a benevolent rose. He has that shred of power. And we see tears from Kira and Haley Hunter calls Johnny being ripped away from her in minutes. Victoria Fuller's problem now. And Haley sadly says, I've been on Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise and still no rose. Portion four, a new day in paradise. The Sally suitcase is on the daybed now. They're moving it around paradise like they did with Adam Jr. They're moving around, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that it's like terrible that they did this, but fuck, it's so crazy. Like the level of fucking mania these motherfuckers have to have to be like, all right, no. We did that whole thing where they were flipping the fucking vibrator around and Kira's got in the boom boom room and they're fucking, you know, kicking her hair extensions around the fucking beach. Now, you know what we should do? Put a fucking bikini on the suitcase and, and put it out there on the rocks like it's playing on the rocks. Put it on the bed now. Make it look like it's taking a nap in the bed. Had too much to drink. How many of those do you think they shot and cut out? Release the... Sally Carson in a bikini suitcase tapes. I also, by the way, think that the man who was playing Sally Carson was using, quote unquote, her exact hair extensions. Yeah, I mean, obviously not her extensions, but I could see something like they probably made a little skit or something that was like the vibrator, the hair extensions, the suitcase and the waffle iron are like animate objects, like little cartoon characters. That's a, a sitcom that I'm sure they thought about. This is the my own weird minutia pit area where I just start spinning TV shows out of jokes we make. Another pit stop with clues. <laughs> the pit never stops with clues, though. Unfortunately, it just keeps going. Jill took Romeo's rose. She's telling everybody else, uh, but she's going to start seeing other people. Shanae begins the narrative that she is a one-guy girl. This is making her very 4TOR. Logan seems to be into her. One-on-one time with Parisi and Justin. She tells him that she has done a lot of thinking in the past 24 hours. She feels good now, and the situation won't happen again, she assures him. But he says he wanted for her to tell him what's going on in her head, and they agree to work on it and build upon it. Parisi ITMs that she's a different person now with the right mindset. It, did they just let her sleep for like four hours or something? Like this is fucking only two days in. And she's like, I've completely changed who I am. I can be exactly not this. I think you have to tell yourself that in order to get through this. Yeah. No, I can do this. I can handle it. Then we get some shot. We get two birds. We get two crabs. We get two lizards. We get two other lizards. They're showing us... <laughs> Dynamic duos in the form of creatures. They're preparing us for what we're about to see. Another dynamic duo, another set of creatures. These are humanoid creatures. <laughs> A shirtless James Bonsall and Aaron Clancy march down the stairs, big smiles on their faces, big muscles on their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and DLP is there to greet them at the gates to hell as a dynamic duo enters. He gives them a double date card to take two women on a double date. Their uh, targets at this point have already been decided by producers. So they have told Clancy and Bonsell, you'll be asking uh, Shanae, Ankney, and Genevieve Parisi. These are your targets. They don't have a choice in this. The producers have already designed the what they call a double date, what I call a two-on-two. 
they're just being sent in as, in my opinion, complete producer plants. Nonetheless, it's great to fucking see them there. They have this funny little thing about the new biggest facts in paradise. I love to see them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They, Aaron Clancy is getting in his, his brand again, his verbiage. He's like, it's different this time. Enormous <laughs> fact. DLP says, I've got something for you. Aaron, let's go. Double date to kickstart this love connection. And Aaron's like, the boys are back. It's good to be back. And they have these prepared dynamic duo lines. Like they are two superheroes about to, I guess maybe wrestling they do this too. Two superheroes about to like do their special power together. James is like, hear those waves? Yeah, it's a, in wrestling, it's a tag team. Bonsall says, hear those waves? And Aaron says, only lotion is the ocean. They have come up with their new catchphrases for the season. I love to see it. They come bring big, big body trash can energy. Yeah. And Aaron Clancy just doesn't disappoint. This man is somebody who, in his season of yes. play... And by the dynamic duo, I mean Aaron Clancy. <laughs> no, listen. Bonsall plays his fucking part. Do not discount Bonsall. Because without Bonsall... I'm not discounting him. I'm just saying he's the sidekick. Boy. I don't even think he's the straight man. He's the straight man in this weird comedy duo. He's not a straight man, technically, but that is the role he plays. Because he's setting up Clancy for the fucking punchline. And this literally... What do you do when those waves are scratching? The only... Lotion isn't lotion, or whatever the fuck they said. I mean, this is... Oh God, it was just brilliant. Just fucking brilliant. And again, they come in with confidence. And... I don't think it's a coincidence that, again, it's these these players like they've been through it once at least. So they're like, OK, how can we fucking really up our game now? Not a frame is wasted. I think it, in their first season in Paradise, it took them a minute to kind of yeah. figure out, oh, this is what we need to be doing. Like you and me joke around all the time. I'll get in some fights every once in a while and we'll leave together. Fucking brilliant. Now here they are again because of that fantastic mm -hmm. play. And as soon as they're on screen, oh, fuck, they're not wearing shirts as soon as they're on screen. They're just in like shorts with no shirts. Fucking have just done 2000 pushups in there. But you know what I mean? Like they're bringing them in literally like pro wrestlers. It's fucking great. I loved it. Absolutely fucking loved it. Yeah. And someone says they're bringing the really good guys this week. And then we see them. Lace James is hot. Victoria Fuller. Oh, I can have 14 boyfriends. Yes, you can. <laughs> Portion five, a casting card I did see. Big facts. You're alone with your cat on your couch. And that is how good Aaron Clancy's meme making has been, that he made it into the casting card. He made it into DLP shitting on the viewers again that mm -hmm. they're lonely cat people. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was just the casting card? <laughs> are, you a, are you a lonely cat person? Get off the couch. Go down to bachelorabc.com. Sign up for our show. They just fucking... You feel that? It's the cold of no one being next to you on your couch as you watch this show for its 26th goddamn season. Apply <laughs> now. Is your life filled with regrets and very few friends or social outlets? Come on to the Bachelor. ABC.com. God, it's fucking crazy. Portion 5 begins. Justin and Genevieve discuss her not going on the date. She thinks Clancy is not interested in her. Genevieve ITMs that Shanae spread a rumor on Women Tell All that she hooked up with Aaron. And we get this backstory, which she maintains was not true. And then the San Diego boys read their date card to the group. Welcome to Paradise. End the bromance. Start the romance. 
They are the 22nd and 23rd sand officially on Bachelor in Paradise Season 8. Clancy pulls Genevieve. That one-on-one time yields a uh, yields him telling her that he's looking for a connection right away. And if he doesn't want to, all eggs. So he says uh, she caught his eye, hence the pull. And Clancy asks her if there's anyone she's interested in. She says only Justin. But she's open to going on dates. We got some options open play going around the beach, it seems like. And then we get the one-on-one time with Clancy and Shanae. She tells him that her first week uh, has been good. He asks her who she's interested in. She says uh, she's interested in him. And Clancy says he can't tell her who he's interested in. No spoilers. So he's doing a little flirtation here. Thought it worked very well. Mm-hmm. And a little minor minutia alarm here for myself before I even say it. Jacob Panini. What is his name? Rapini. Jacob Rapini is eating a pineapple with his giant hand face to pineapple here, which now that you say it, I am like, this is a student of this game. He's doing the weird fucking workouts. He's eating food weird. He knows how to get it on. He's just he's just fucking like caveman style chewing into a pineapple, <laughs> a whole pineapple. What the fuck? <laughs> Who eats a pineapple like that? No one. No one eats a pineapple like that. And that is why it is good uh, mansion free play antics he's doing here. We get the flashback to Shanae and Genevieve Parisi's two on one and... Notably, we don't see any of James Bonsall's conversations with the women. We only see Aaron Clancy, and he asks Genevieve. Bonsall asks Shanae. And everyone, Sierra explains to everyone why this is wild, that they went on the two-on-one. Jill calls it cursed. And Lace ITMs, there might be some drama. I'm here for it. Give me some tea. Lace is a tea player and an icon. I absolutely agree. Portion six begins daytime. We get the one-on-one time with Lace and Rapini. They discuss their travels. Rapini says he's been all over the world. I went to Hong Kong for my 22nd birthday. Oh, really? Why did you decide to go there? Lace Morris inquires. Well, because it was supposed to be awesome. Oh, no, not Hong Kong, China. We went to a strip club in Tijuana called Hong Kong. And this... Takes him down a notch, I believe, in in Lace's eyes. This was almost my error of the game. One thing happened that I felt was a bigger error, but this was, you want your your fool to be, you know, likable. And this is, uh, I'm not going to say unlikable for me personally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just think this wasn't the best play. This was not a great play. (laughs) I totally agree. Uh, Genevieve and Shanae then head out for their two-on-two. Logan maintains that he's a level-headed guy, but this is getting to him a little bit. We get more commentary from Olio, Romeo, and Rapini about the original two-on-one in Bachelor 26. Then we get the double date. Opening shot is Parisi and Ankney are on Clancy and Bonsall's shoulders doing a chicken fight in the pool. This is the second chicken fight we've seen in these two episodes. As these strange onlookers are standing behind them splashing them and watching them like like making an arena basically out of their bodies for them to do this weird fight in the pool. Who are these people? <laughs> I I don't know who these people are. I feel like they were trying to make the dates look more natural by having people behind people when they're dancing, but in the pool when they're chicken fighting, this did not feel natural. I would be very worried if 
people in a public pool setting did this to me. Yeah. Started surrounding you and, and making it into like a gladiatorial experience. Uh, it was very strange, but I did like it. And all I could do was think how fun that must have been to be one of those people <laughs> in the gladiatorial experience. <laughs> like they're probably employees of the hotel or something, yeah. you know, the, and the, they're just like, okay, we're shooting this fucking thing here. You guys have to go out and like splash water on these people while they chicken fight. I think that'd be fun as fuck. Not to harp on this, but in Love Island during their challenges... They often will have the other players spray them with stuff. Mm. Well, then our players limbo. Then they do an eating contest. Then we see a hype woman getting the guys to start dancing in the pool. And this unnamed hype woman was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno bystander of the week brilliant fucking brilliant (laughs) like there's a whole army of people out there doing whatever forming these makeshift arenas doing whatever this hype woman gets a fucking shot of basically herself she's riding the camera as she's like pumping up bonsall and clancy to do their dances in the pool oh fuck i love shit like this those dances were so good. Specifically, Aaron Clancy's sort of, he's bent down. He's got his hands on his knees and he's moving his shoulders in a way that I was like, if you are not preparing in the preseason for Paradise with an original, wild, gifable dance like this, you are fucking up and you should be doing this because it is he is shining off the damn screen. It's unreal. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they didn't... Bonesoul and Clancy came into this saying, I want to double my fucking social media. And they yeah. have plans in place to do it. And they are executing them all immediately. There is not a second that Aaron Clancy is on screen that you are not riveted. What the fuck is he yeah. going to do or say next? That is a reality TV star. And he is fucking yeah. playing at a very high level. I love Bonsall too, but I get what you're saying earlier about like he's more of a sidekick. He doesn't have that level of play, I don't think. But as a, a duo, they are better than Clancy by himself. Because if, if Clancy has Bonsall by his side, you feel like there's nothing Clancy can't do. He seems innocent. Yes. He seems 4TRR. Exactly. Yes. They, he does need him to complete it. But uh, at any rate, Fantastic fucking play with the dancing. And then we see that Parisi and Ankney are off to the side. They seem to be getting along. So the producer's plans for fireworks here uh, have failed. The two-on-two did not work out. They even put them into a physical violence scenario. Yeah. And they just don't give a fuck. I think at this point, they've had literal multiple open conversations about like, like the producers want us to fucking fight each other. Let's just not do it. I, I Like I'm over it. Who gives a fuck? Me too. Great. Moving on. And the producers get nothing out of it. Back on the beach, we see Logan and Justin are sad. Bury the hatchet. Hatchet hath been buried. Back on the two on two, we get some one-on-one time with Clancy and Parisi. Clancy says he's known for his words, but in weird, stupid ways. And he's not the best at meaningful words. So for me, this felt like this is the storyline Clancy has chosen for himself this season is he's like, I'm not just a clown. And Genevieve likes that he's very affectionate, compliments her a lot. Classic princess play here. And Clancy plays walls here. He says he's kind of guarded. 
make me have great chemistry. I had a lot of fun and we could do not those things, but other <laughs> things and be <laughs> and be on the same team, be teammates. I thought this was a gorgeous line. I think it is Clancy trying to trying to make himself into more of a grocery store, get a love story that will allow him to go farther in the game and get that following. But he's literally calling it a teammate. Yeah. That's what paradise is. You select a teammate to play this game with. This is open gameplay speech. He's saying it right into the fucking camera and they put it in the show. This is a fucking game. He says, do you want to be my teammate? She's going to say yes. And they're going to play the team game as a team now. It is fucking insane to me that they left this in here, but I love seeing it. <laughs> Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. He even says kiss time out here again. Gameplay speech. They make out. We intercut this with a sad boy, Justin Glaze shot. <laughs> and Genevieve likes how Aaron is showing her that he is interested. Portion seven. We see the other sad boy, Logan. He's ordering a sad boy parfait, his boohoo bowl. So I like the he's branding his food. Yeah. I'm hoping Logan leans heavily into parfaits and makes that his whole thing. And he says that he has no plan B, but he's put a lot of eggs in Shanae's basket. We go cut back to the two on two and we see Shanae and Bonsall. 
And Shanae says, this is effortless. Logan is a good guy. We have a good connection. Not great, but it's but this is effortless. I feel like I can breathe. I can shake my ass. Referring to when she was twerking by the pool before. And Bonsall says, you know, we skipped a few chapters. I don't know about the girls back there, but I can't imagine it being better. Great kiss, lead in line. They make out. And Shanae, in her ITM, produces tears. She says, can I have my rag? Dating is scary. This is such good villain redemption play for Shanae. Producing tears is such a strong move for her. She also, though, lets us behind the curtain here. As she starts crying, she says, can I have my rag? Well, what what rag? Yeah, that was confusing. She has a tear rag? I think the producers hold tear rags for the players. That's what I got from this. That there are producers and they just have a belt full of rags that when people start crying, they just oh throw them God. at them. The tear rag is a thing. It has to be. What the fuck does that mean? <gasps> have you ever, when you're Dude. crying, asked somebody for your rag? Okay, I thought this was specifically to Shanae. I don't know. I thought it was maybe something she carries around. Shanae has a tear rag? A multi-purpose, <laughs> multi-purpose tear rag. Look, I didn't go down as far this path as you did. You think they... They have a bunch of tear rags. I'm like, they have a special producer who's walking around with a belt full of fucking tear rags. And I know that's real. It's the tear rag producer. I feel like that seems like a COVID risk, but maybe. (laughs) Back at the beach, we see a bunch of people theorizing about the date. And Jill tells Romeo, I don't think it would be wise to entertain this. The ship has sailed. It's reaching the Middle East right now. Again, this colorful narration. Consistent. Yeah. And she ITMs that she wants somebody else to show up, and then somebody does show up. Not another player, though. Instead, it's the Aya Canetti. They meet DLP at the gates to hell. They get an ITM. Ashley says, I am Ashley I, and you're Jared Highbon, otherwise known as Mr. Ashley I. She says that in the document. I think this is the first time we've gotten in the document. (laughs) (laughs) It's an honor if that is true. I screamed. I screamed. I texted clues. I was like, you did it. We don't know that for sure, though. No, you're right. You're right. No, they could have heard it. Yeah. That could be an inside joke between them. Nonetheless, we get some flashbacks to their season of Paradise. The Great One makes an appearance here in the document. That's Nick Vial, of course, telling Ashley that Jared will never be with her. So this is an incorrect prediction. I love that they keep putting this line in the show. On the eve of his book about dating advice coming out. (laughs) (laughs) It's unreal. Oh my God, I didn't think about that. It's unreal. It's so fucking funny to me. That is so funny. You will never be with Jared. Yeah, DLP asks what they're doing there as though he doesn't know, like they just showed up. Oh, hey, I heard you guys are doing paradise. Thought we'd come down. So they say since the baby, they haven't had any good date time. And that's what this is for them. That they're going to come down here, uh, lend some advice, but also get to be a couple away from the baby for a little while. And DLP says, yes, you're going to counsel some of the players. They walk into the beach and everyone reacts with screams of delight. Jared calls it Jumanji, by the way. DLP asks them, what are you doing here? 
uh, and they sail this stuff, and then they walk onto the beach. Brittany ITMs fangirling, laced ITMs that they are living proof of paradise working, and Logan ITMs not knowing who they are. I'm not sure I believe that. Jared says, we had an opportunity to come here and have some fun alone time for Ashley, I, and myself. And uh, while we're here, we can also give you advice on this experience. They all cheers, and we get another casting card. If these people can find love, so can you. Apply to be on the next season of The Bachelor. What people? Is he talking about the Iaconettis? If these pieces of shit can find love, so can you. I, I think it's talking about the players on Bachelor in Paradise. And so I'm like, wait, what? That's what I took it to mean, too. Yeah, like shitting on them. It's like, are you? if you're a piece of shit, check this out. These pieces of shits, they found love, too. I mean, it's crazy. I don't get it. Are the people on the show supposed to be serious, ready for a proposal people? Or are they also pieces of shit that you should date? None of these casting things ever make sense. Portion 8 begins day. Ashley tells all the women that even the taste of the beans and the quesadillas is the same as she remembered it from her time in game. A little nostalgia hit Naya Kinetti. Like to see it. The women all have a girl chat as we get a reel of Haibon Aya Kinetti proposing from their season. Jill tells Ashley about her, in quotes, grim story with Romeo. Tears are produced. She is skeptical that it will happen for her because time is running out. Ashley ITMs then that she wants to shake these kids and tell them to keep the faith. Look what can happen. But Ashley, I, as astute as you are, as, a, as fantastic of a player as you were, this is not the same game. What happened with you guys cannot happen again because I do believe that it was through her play that they wound up together. And I don't think that play is allowed now. It's all scripted. They are designing your story, your persona, and if you show up and do something outside of it, you will be eliminated. I don't think that can happen anymore. You've got to be a protected player in order to come away with the love story. I mean, she was protected. Like, she was part of a package deal with her sister where it was like, you get to keep two players if you... But they they put her into a fool. They fucking put... They eliminated her on two-on-one. They made her a villain. Like... They didn't get together on the show. That's the thing. They got together despite three seasons of the show and then only ended up together after she was with Kevin Went on... Uh, winter games so it's like that wasn't a story of paradise working that was a story of two people yeah there's a potential soulmate couple here who will not find each other (laughs) uh we then get rodney entering the rancho cucamonga guy and he says it's like college game day going through the tunnel right now to dlp Mm -mm mm-mm-mm Open game play between two football players likening The Bachelor to a football game. And Rodney is officially the 24th sand of season eight. He explains that he's ready to turn the page for Michelle Young, and he has a few people in mind that he's hoping to meet. He says Teddy, Serene, and Eliza are on his list. DLP gives him a date card and he enters. The players react with hoots and hollers. Jill ITM's excitement for his presence. Every girl wants Rodney. Lace says it in an ITM. And then the date card reads... Pick someone who's the apple of your eye. They're still leaning into this weird apple thing that was from his season that now no one remembers at all. One-on-one time with Jill and Rodney. She says she is painfully single in paradise. She says she was hoping to see him show up on the beach, and he tells her when he's all in, he's all in. They seem to be hitting it off. Brandon ITMs that Rodney's a super threat to every relationship. (laughs) There's some one-on-one time with Rodney and Teddy. 
I mean, some of these lines like that is straight from a producer. So just say that Rodney's a super threat to all the relationships. Okay. Then we get some one-on-one time with Rodney and Teddy. Just say that these were Michelle Young's dad's underwear that you're putting on. God. Yeah, exactly. God. He put on Michelle Young's dad's underwear or swim trunks. Bathing suit. One-on-one time. Rodney and Teddy. They discuss their close proximity of hometown. She rubs his lip. Little chemistry play here. She tells him that she went on a date with Andrew and it was good, but she's uh, and she's happy here. And he thanks her for her time. And she says he's glad she's here. Andrew then tells Ashley and Jared that Teddy's the only one he's interested in. And he hopes she doesn't go on a date with Rodney. After their conversation, Teddy goes to sit by herself. She doesn't come back to Rodney. She doesn't come back to the group. She goes and sits by herself on this uh, daybed. And she ITMs confusion about her feelings for Andrew. We see tears. She also tears on the daybed when she's sitting there alone. Things are not good. Portion nine. Night is falling. Teddy is still crying. And she ITMs wanting to get to know Rodney wanting to get to know Rodney and being concerned about Andrew because she's not as affectionate as she usually is in relationships with him. She wants to be, but for some reason it's just not happening and she needs to talk to Andrew. Teddy comes and pulls Andrew and we get this brilliant moment from Maya Kennedy. This is, this is a player coming back who was, I mean, one of the most luminary players from that era from all time, of all time. From all eras. Yeah. And she's now reflecting on a mirror image of a thing she's seen multiple times in her during her playing days. And she says to us, if you're walking to the bed on the far side of the beach and you don't have a smile on your face when you grab that person's hand, it's not going to be a good conversation for you. Jared broke up with me there in VIP season two. <laughs> it's a doomed, cursed <laughs> place. It's a poem. She's, she's reciting a poem uh, on the fly here. It's just so fucking beautifully stated. And the way she's saying it is funny. It's sad because you know it's fucking true. It, you just... There's not anybody like this in the game. It just isn't in the game right now. No, and it's the perfect way for Ashley to get screen time and connect herself to this relevant storyline. And we basically see Teddy break up with Andrew Spencer through tears and then Jill performs an STCO for Teddy. And portion 10, we see this long sequence of Serene Russell looking for Teddy. Mm-mm-mm. Intercut with Teddy is leaving, pulling the suitcase, and we see her say to producers, I want to go. I'm not going in there and doing a big goodbye. The main person I want to talk to is Andrew, and I did. And they... They intercut this with Serene looking for her in a bikini where they have black boxed her. She's not getting the Victoria Fuller treatment. Mm -hmm. And Teddy quits here. And in this way, they are intercutting Serene looking for her. It, to me, seems like they are giving Teddy this villain edit by not giving a little bit closure to the friends. And it makes me think this is that punishment. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, they she's not going to give us this scene that we want. Okay, well, she's going to look like a huge bitch for like, yep. Abandoning her friends at this point. If you don't do exactly what they want you to do, you're going to get a bad edit after you don't do that thing. That is exactly what's happening yeah. here. All they can do is give her a shit edit. So they're like, all right, fine. Have Serene go look for her. 
they expect her to fucking say their goodbyes. And we even get a moment where Serene comes to Wells in the bar and is like, have you seen Teddy? And he goes, well, I assume she went to say goodbye to everybody. What? This man knew every detail of a producer incident that happened that he was not a part of to go get Sally Carson from her fucking house and the producers going the thing. He shot a fucking sketch about it. He wasn't present for that. He's not an expert Mm -hmm. in that. In which he played many roles. But they don't... He doesn't know that Serene fucking left the show. This is a scripted line to make her look worse. Well, the, the common thing people do is say goodbye to everybody. That's the right thing. She didn't do that. They have Wells say it, the moral judgment of the show. They have Jill ITM. She didn't even say goodbye. And they have Jill tell Andrew Spencer, and he's like, what? And Jill ITM's all my friends are gone. So it is basically saying, Teddy, like giving a huge amount of time to this to show that Teddy's goodbye was not done in the proper way. But Teddy self-eliminating was my error, 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 error of the game. I don't think you self-eliminate ever. I mean, obviously she was not praising the process in this episode. We saw her say multiple times that she only came for Andrew Spencer and wouldn't have done it Mm -hmm. without him. Like she kept emphasizing, like I wasn't going to do this and putting it down. And by the way, this reminds me that I might've missed this, but the man who was playing Sally Carson in the (laughs) Wells sketch was my Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week. Okay, that makes sense. The cross-dressing, the, the huge body comedy that he put onto it. I doubt Sally Carson was screaming, rolling around on the floor, but yeah. he really gave it his all to that historical reenactment. And oh, and Logan ITM's no real closure. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Andrew Spencer. And they make it seem like she's basically sending Andrew home by not staying to give him a rose. Yeah. And Serene then even ITMs that it's not clicking for her, that she left without saying goodbye. And it's like, this place is a fucking torture chamber. She was there for two days and she had a nervous breakdown and was like, fuck it, I'm out. Right move, in my opinion. I, I mean, I don't condone the self-eliminating. But like, if you get to a point where you're just like, I, I'm out, like you can tap out of the show. Yeah. And in many cases, it's probably better for you psychologically. It takes a certain type of player to be able to do Paradise Right, to be able to withstand that. Like Kira is somebody who got eliminated early, but I think she could have played through to the end. Nothing would have phased her. Mm-hmm. No real like, you know, traumas, I think, because she's in it to fucking play. At any rate, I think Teddy was a 4TRR player and it, it fucked mm-hmm. her up. Like the show fucked her up too much. Olio then STCOs for Spencer in the Shadows. Olio then ITMs. I've never seen Andrew that sad ever. I don't think anyone has. Olio must have an in-depth knowledge of Andrew's entire life. Rodney then paces with his date card, trying to make his decision on who to ask out. And he's decided he wants to take Teddy out. And oops, she's not there. So he asked the group, where's Teddy? And Jill and Serene tell him she left. And that's the end. We get next week on BIP. Rodney is the hottest commodity to hit the sand. Rodney makes this face when Jill Mm. says she left, which was my... 
face play of the game. It's basically a cliffhanger face play. That's how emotive it was. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a strong face play. I didn't do my face play in the course of this episode because I forgot it. So I'm going to do it now because I did take a picture of it. I'll show it to you. Jacob Rapini in a conversation that he was having with, I have no idea who it was, probably Victoria Fuller, I think. In a conversation he was having with her, he did a weird uh, laughing, kind of squinting one eye face. That's the best way I can describe it. And Jacob Rapini had my face play of the game. Congrats, Rapini. Uh, we then see a promo from next week. Lace is pursuing Rodney, a spirit guide, nudity date, Brandon LL3s, Jared, love level fours. We see Jared farting. I don't know why we're seeing a date of Ashley, I, and Jared without current players. I feel like that's a mistake. Oh, totally. And it's not Aya Kennedy. It's uh, Ashley for oh, me, I think. I don't know. And it looks like we're finally going to see the other half of Sally, the not suitcase half. Sally Carson comes down the stairs. Mm -hmm. I wrote here, I bet they kept her in prison. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they did. And then we get the tag. It is Kira talking to Nacho the Chihuahua about her guy troubles. God damn it. This was a cute dog. This dog, Nacho, who chats with Kira and gets to talk about the boom boom room before dumping Kira and having Kira eat its goddamn dust was my (laughs) creature of the week. I love this dog so much. So cute. Yeah, I know. Nacho was doing it all and got the tag and got an emotional arc. Brilliant play. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Who was your MVP? For his dancing and his continued pushing of his brand, moment after moment, defeating James Bond, Saul, and remaining the alpha in the dynamic duo to get more screen time than Bond, Saul, and an emotional arc, Aaron Clancy was my... M M M M V P Who was yours? For all the reasons you just mentioned, Aaron Clancy was also my M M M M M V P. He's fucking electric. Yes. This is the star of the show. There's no question about that in anyone's mind. No one. And this is a guy who came out of one of the bubble seasons. This is a guy we didn't get to see a lot of. Those bubble seasons were rife with bad editing and like minimizing screen time. This is a guy who had to basically put it all together in his his prior season of Paradise and make us want more. And he's come back bigger, come back better, come back funnier, all of it. He's dialed the fucking whole thing up a notch. This isn't just a guy coming back to Paradise. This is a guy coming back to Paradise with a fucking plan and it's in Mm -hmm. motion and we get to watch the beauty of it. It's the lotion of the ocean. Yes. 
his performance, I believe, in Bond Souls by extension is going to be, I think, the thing that comes from this season. Like the most entertaining component of it. I hope so. I hope it's a somehow he gets a love story and it's and he's the Joe and Serena. Well, we already have seen in some of the promos. He's breaking down crying. Some guy, somebody steals whoever he's with. We know mm. that that's just going to happen. I don't know how it heartbreak. ends up, but uh, yeah, he's going to get a heartbreak and maybe a back to it. But at any rate, I love to see him back in the game, especially when you have like him and Victoria Fuller and Lace Morris, mm. like all in the same season is very interesting to me. That's a strange mix. That's going to produce some interesting shit. I God, think. I hope he pairs up with one of them. I know. <laughs> But that wraps it up. Uh, that's a short two and a half hour podcast this week. So we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you uh, were able to hang in there. Uh, our, I hope you loved our brief summary of <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode. You know, sometimes a lot of stuff happens. That suitcase thing again to me is like just the most important thing that's happened in the nation maybe ever because I, I think it's putting us through a different lens now. The fact that all these players are coming back at the producer saying this wasn't real, we just have not seen that ever. Um, and I think it right. is incredibly important for where the the trajectory of like what the culture of players is now, because you're also getting these players, some of them saying this isn't real or here's why this happened. Then other players saying like, no, that's not true. So now you even have the sauce war line is divided even through the fucking player base now that isn't even involved with uh, podcasts and shit. This is just on fucking instagram and twitter you the sauce wars are happening not yet i bet i bet they're trading i bet they're training Alio in podcasting when he's not on screen <laughs> probably yeah he's got becca kufrin's laptop in his private suite yeah but anyway thank you everyone again for joining us and we will be back this friday with this week in bachelor nation where we're going to be going through the whole timeline of all the parasocial reactions from all the players to the suitcase event and kind of laying out Who's on which side of that argument and why potentially? So we hope you will join us for that as well. But before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,498 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 